Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic. I'm joined uh, today by my good friend, Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Yo, what's up? Uh, not, uh, not the I kinds of things that, that I were, yeah, yep. that's, that's gonna, that's gonna be awkward already. So, uh, today, uh, it's time to talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Uh, this is an extremely important topic. Uh, and I, I wish we had some experts, uh, on the fan, uh, on the panel to talk about it. This week, it's just going to be Andrew and I kind of setting the stage uh, and opening up Pandora's box uh, and just kind of airing out all of the issues. We're not going to find answers to them today. Heck, we're not going to find answers to them over the series, but we will find many things to argue about. Um, <clears throat> it's a tough subject. It's one of these subjects where I don't actually have the answers to the questions I have. I've got questions. And I've got some ideas, but I don't have any answers. And so over the course of this, I could be persuaded uh, toward any number of directions. Uh, I, I think it's it's just a difficult subject. It's something that I've been kind of studying uh, behind the scenes for a number of years. And it's one of those things that I realized that, you know, I just don't, I don't know what the heck um, the, the truth is here. I just feel like as a society, we're doing it wrong, but it's hard for me to get more specific than that. And so I'm going to get, we're going to try to, to, to get more specific with that today. Uh, we've got a set of topics that we're going to cover. Uh, we will have a couple of panel uh, discussions, and then uh, we'll see if I can't get uh, Brian uh, back to help with, um, uh, with a wrap up. Uh, if you hear some scratching on the door, that is my dog trying to get in. Um, so apologies for that. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Andrew uh, to uh, have a first bite of the apple <laughs> while I kill my dog. Excuse me. Um, okay. So um, <clears throat> we've got a little audio feedback. Give me half, half a second to kill the audio feedback. Um, and we will uh, we will listen for David uh, to kill his dog. Sorry for the uh, inconvenience. Okay, so uh, what are we going to cover today? I guess is uh, I guess is the first good question. So here's an outline of uh, if you're listening, what you can expect today, and hopefully we'll get through all of these points. Skeptics and seekers often runs long. Uh, and David and I are known for agging each other on. Uh, but here's what you may expect through the course of this podcast. Uh, the, first, the first thing that we will likely cover is why is sex uh, such a big topic in and out of theology? Why does it take up uh, so many mental cycles for most of us? Why is, it, uh, why is it such a premier topic in everything we do? The second point that we are likely to cover uh, has to do with consent and age. So uh, we all know the, the first rule of safe sex, right? Use, a, uh, use contraceptives, but we rarely talk about the second rule of safe sex, which is uh, keep yourself out of jail. So we're definitely going to spend some time there. Um, 
we're going to spend some time on uh, things that we don't often call sex, but are sex acts. So this will be anything that is not your uh, traditional missionary position sex. And the last also, point, also all the non-binary. Um, uh, uh, right. Non LGBTQI plus. <clears throat> right. Um, and uh, so the last point, if we get to it, uh, which may be uh, transition to from point three, is what about pornography? Uh, pornography may come up in the first three points sort of naturally, but we're going to leave some space, if possible, at the end to cover pornography on its own. So, David, you're good at, uh, at kicking these things off, and uh, so I'll leave it to you to uh, get us started. Okay, good. And my dog is uh, very much alive still, just not in a condition where he can beat on my door for the next hour. Don't worry about him. He's fine. He's, right. He's okay. <laughs> He's been alive for 17 years. I'm, I'm not going to stuff him out now. <laughs> so, User. Uh, so... Um, what we what what I want to say before we get started, this is not an opening statement, but it is an important uh, statement to make. So if you're used to the way we talk on skeptics and seekers, um, we are often irreverent uh, and occasionally profane, <laughs> but hopefully never obscene if you can uh, finally dice those uh, differences. But today we're going to be uh, blunt without blushing. So this is a podcast where we are going to uh, talk about sexuality like grownups. Some of it will be a bit blue, I'm sure. Uh, we, will, uh, we will say words that some will find offensive, and if you listen to this show around small children, this is a good show for you not to do that. Put on your headphones. Uh, if you do not mind your children hearing the types of things that uh, people say when they're speaking frankly about sex, then great. But uh, this is just a, a PSA before we really kick things off. Um, so, uh, I will give you a few seconds to make your adjustments and, uh, then we will move on with the show. All right, then. Um, so the first question, uh, that I have is why is human sexuality such a big deal, especially in religion, but I don't want to single out religion. Uh, it's also a big deal in pagan. Uh, religion. It's, uh, it's a big deal among people who have no religion, uh, maybe slightly less, but it still, it still takes up a lot of space, uh, a lot of oxygen in the room. And uh, I, for one, would like to wrap my head around why that is. Um, and I, I honestly don't know the answer, but I have some thoughts. And so uh, I want to take the first uh, idea of theology, because I actually believe that most of it comes from theology. I think that a, a lot of even people who are not religious, I think that uh, theology has so um, so affected the culture. Uh, and sexuality is one of those issues uh, that resonates with so many people. 
I think that it has kind of set the tone for it a little bit, kind of like in uh, marriage. Uh, why do so many people who don't believe in God have weddings that look a lot like Christian weddings? Um, it's because the it's because religionists have won the fight, um, essentially, and they have, in fact, infected the culture uh, with some ideas that I think are pretty bad, but they're bad and they're and they've bled into the culture and it's just a part of the culture and it's hard to get that stuff out. Uh, when it's embedded in so deeply. And so my my first thought about this is that uh, thoughts uh, about sexuality uh, are in fact largely impacted by theology. Uh, so before I go any further, I just want to I just want to do a quick check uh, with you, Andrew. Do you do you mirror that um, idea or do do you want to push back at this point? Um, do you think that theology uh, plays a plays an outsized role in our thinking about sexuality? I do, and I I want to cover in uh, I want to color in uh, one specific. I uh, I lost you. Uh, I uh, I don't know if it's me or you, but I didn't hear a word you said just then. Okay, let uh, can you hear me now? It's you, Hello? David. I can hear. Oh, can you all hear me? Can you can you hear me, Andrew? Right. I, I'm going yes, to I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you there. Uh, just a moment. I'm just going to ask uh, any of the lurkers uh, so I can figure out whether it's me or you, because I might have to change my uh, setup a little bit. Uh, did any of you hear Andrew? Um, yes. Fully just just now got a thumbs up from Dale. Uh, so looks like I might be having some uh, Wi-Fi uh, slash audio issues and i don't like to edit so andrew um feel free to feel free to uh monologue for okay. just a couple of minutes and i'm gonna change my headset and see if that helps okay so one of the things that i found interesting uh as you were talking is that uh, while religion plays an outsized role uh, in the conversation about sex, it does so in a way that I think is uh, is particularly interesting. So uh, the divide between uh, those who practice theology uh, of any given stripe and those who don't practice theology is not that sex is not important to both groups, it is. But it's important in very different ways. Uh, so as, as largely a humanist, uh, as a skeptic and a humanist, uh, I would promote uh, things like better sex education, uh, things like better access to reproductive rights for young women, uh, more open access um, uh, to contraceptives. So these would be things that, that I would think we ought to all be able to agree on. But at least in some religious circles, and very often those very conservative circles, um, what we see is exactly the opposite. Uh, there is a push not to grant uh, better reproductive rights to young women. Uh, there's a push not to uh, not to include sex education in schools. Uh, in fact, the, the Catholic Church has a long-standing tradition of fighting against contraceptive measures. Now, I realize that's not all Catholics, and it's not the entire Catholic Church. Uh, and and I'm not raging against Catholics specifically. What I am saying is that there is a clear divide theologically 
uh, from uh, from theologians rather and skeptics in regard uh, in regard to how we treat the idea of responsible sexual behavior. Uh, so yes, uh, to answer your question, David, I think theology plays an outsized role. And I just want to color in that county on the map because I think it deserves, uh, I think it deserves a greater conversation as we so go let's take a Let's take a couple of minutes uh, to explore that since we both came from uh, not, not just religion, but a very uh, conservative kind of religion. Mm. Um, the, the question that no one ever asks in those kinds of religions is why on earth God cares about what you do with your genitals? And uh, the first time I heard anyone ask that question, I was probably late 30s. <laughs> you know, it, it, it never dawned upon me that this right. was a strange fixation for a God. Uh, right. why, why should it matter what we do uh, as considering adults with our body parts? And I just, I, um, once the question entered my consciousness, I couldn't shake it, and um, I still can't. <laughs> so this was, it took me a long time to get past that point, too, where, you know, so we, we have this idea as very conservative Christians that uh, the God that you and I were familiar with, and I think by and large the orthodox view, is that there's this, uh, there's this God who can number every hair on your head. He can watch every sparrow fall, right? He, he can count all the grains of sand on the seashore. So he's quite a powerful God. And if you're infected with that idea, um, then you do uh, just accept that this guy who is lurking in the back of your mind cares about what you do with your genitals. But he cares in a very strange way. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and, it, it's, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. Let, let's just jump to the, to the one that jumps to our mind first, because uh, I know it, I know it does for you, uh, circumcision. Um, oh, I had a different one. Well, okay. Did you? So yes, I, I just want to start with circumcision because okay. it's, it's so embedded in the Jewish culture and the, uh, then more broadly, the Judeo Christian culture. And um, this idea of, you know, we're going to, we're going to chop off your foreskin because foreskin bad. I don't, um, there, we used to, people used to try to come up with some kind of medical reason uh, why circumcision is a good idea, but it all kind of rang hollow to me. And uh, it seems like the best medical science today is it, it makes no difference at all. Um, right. So in a world, perhaps, so I want to give a, I want to give, try to still man the Jewish argument. And yes, I said Jewish, not Christian. Christians, if you adopted circumcision, you did it from the Jews and, and perhaps from the Muslims, even though you don't uh, want to admit any of that. I, but, I was circumcised. Right. For the record. So, so I was not. I've been cut. Right. I, I have not. So here, it, it's one of these, if you live in a, if you live in a, a country today where there's clean water, and reasonably good sanitation, it is largely unimportant. Now, perhaps there was some sense in it uh, in the past. I don't know enough of that history, but surely 
the the Gentiles had some uh, awareness, right? And uh, and and why do we think they did? Well, there were a lot of Gentiles. More Gentiles, more Jews. So not getting circumcised didn't change the course of human history all that much. But here's another reason that circumcision is strange. Let's say that it was to prevent disease. Let, let's just let's just go all the way with the Jews and say, hey, you know what? Your God was pretty smart, dude. Uh, he he wanted you to be cut because uh, it, it prevents some kind of infection. Okay, that sounds pretty good, right? But here's the contradiction. He didn't tell you how to avoid any STDs. Jews still get STDs. Yeah. So it's still strange. And that was the first thing that came to my mind is, uh, is this, this God who cares about human genitalia, cares about it only in the sense that he wants males to be circumcised, but he doesn't tell you particularly how to avoid STDs. He doesn't tell you how to identify them. Uh, and, and so maybe you say, well, by following very conservative rules, you narrow down the possibility of STDs. That is not the same as good medical advice for how to identify and avoid STDs. And if you think it is, it's because you are selectively biased toward the idea of your God. Well, I mean, the God of the Old Testament wouldn't have cared about the, or the New Testament either, wouldn't have cared about uh, avoiding STDs because if you were a virgin until marriage, you wouldn't have any. So why should he? Why should he help sinners out? Um, I would also say on the on the subject of circumcision. Uh, the uh, are, are you? Is everyone familiar with the Orthodox Jewish practice? The the, the classical way of doing it. I am. It's it, yeah, it, it it involves uh, the, the mouth of the rabbi. It it uh, is oral sex on an infant. Sorry, that's pretty awful. It's it it is awful, and I'm just gonna I want to say I want to go out on a limb and say that they didn't get that from God, but apparently God didn't give them any instructions about how to it either <laughs> so um he didn't seem to care about that part just just get it off however you do it um so i by I the way know. i i'm willing to say i'll let me just walk back what i said a second ago we're uh it's probably not useful to raise the emotional temperature in the room because this conversation's already going to do that so i'm gonna walk back what i just said and say that i am perfectly willing to admit that Jewish rabbis uh, who were practicing circumcision in the orthodox way with male infants about a week old were not getting any gratification out of the process. And so you can't really think of it as oral sex, either for the rabbi uh, or the infant. What I am saying is no matter what you call it, biting off the foreskin of an infant is reprehensible. And I don't care who you are or what the reason is. Yeah, well, I'm not going to be that gracious. Um, here's, I don't know, I don't know what people get gratification from. I, I will just say that um, if that's the method that your God approves uh, for it, uh, you have some explaining to do. <laughs> so, um, and he didn't said, require circumcision for girls, right? Which is, of course, possible. And no, we can be thankful uh, because that's a that's another level of hideousness as far as I'm concerned. 
uh, female circumcision. If you do not know about female circumcision, look it up. It's a real thing. Still happens today. Um, Equally reprehensible, and it should stop. Right, but it's it's not it's not really in the front edge of what we're dealing with right now. The God that we're most concerned about did care about this aspect of genitalia, and it it was never clear to me anyway why it was a why it was a concern at all uh and so you know we can you know kind of retcon it and say well it it's because of um sanitation you know health reasons but that's that's just us talking out of our ass um of course it is he didn't require for instance brushing teeth as a as a commandment for sanitation right right? there's there's so much so, there's so many other things he he could have done if sanitation was the top of mind issue. Um, so well, imagine those rabbis, right? There are diseases of the mouth, or or at least or at least the mouth is heavily bacteria laden, even if it's not a disease, right? And so you would expect if this was an important ritual in regard to sanitation. So we, you and I, often talk about the absence of evidence not being the evidence of absence, unless you would expect some evidence in this. Well, I would actually, if, if you think, if you think that circumcision is for some kind of cleanliness, for lack of spread of disease, I would actually expect this ritual uh, to have the, the, the priest who is practicing in the Orthodox way to do some very rigorous mouth cleaning before they go and circumcise uh, an infant. Sure. And we can just go ahead and retcon that God gave the instructions on how to clean your mouth. For, I mean, you can, uh, Christians can okay. do all kinds of retconning. Um, and I, I, just, I, I dismissed female circumcision uh, a moment ago because it wasn't really uh, top of mind for me, but I think it does have a, a link. Uh, so the primary purpose for female circumcision, we don't have to guess at that, it's to, it's to keep uh, girls from growing up into women who enjoy sex that it's it's to literally uh hinder the enjoyment of sex and it's a way of controlling the women and ensuring uh well maybe you know with the circumcision they won't run off and have an affair they will um so there's there's a lot um bound up in that but it 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 is directly related to sexuality. And the orthodox way, it borders on profane. Uh, Let me just say that if you think this topic's important, and and in some sense, I hope you do care about it. I hope you care enough about this subject, dear listener. Uh, To understand what is being done to young women um, in in very religious, and, and very backwardly religious parts of this world. I, I hope you care enough about this subject to go and research the orthodox way that female circumcision is done today. All right, so moving, moving on though from circumcision, um, the, the fact is this God, whatever the reason, I, I can speculate on the reason, but I, I, I'll withhold from that. Uh, this God, at least God of the Bible, does care about sex an awful lot, has a lot to say. 
uh, about sex, and we haven't even begun to uh, speculate on why that is. So, for instance, uh, a fairly normal thing for humans to do, even Christian humans to do, is uh, have extramarital affairs with other people. And it happens uh, with women and men. They both do it roughly at the same rate. Um, so uh, the God of the Bible uh, saw that as a major problem and decided to fix it by saying uh, anyone caught in the act of adultery is to be murdered. Um, that seems extreme. Is <laughs> Does that sound extreme? <laughs> Or is it is it just me? <laughs> I mean, sex as a death penalty offense. I now rape as a death penalty offense. That would make sense to me. I, I think I could get behind that. We're talking about garden variety, um, mutual uh, consensual uh, sexual relations between adults that don't happen to be married to each other at the time. God's reaction to that. The electric chair. <laughs> so, what what do you think? Um. Okay, just give me the question in summary one more time. Just I don't know if I it. can sum it sum it up. What I made is a is in a very a very acerbic comment. God cares about sex to the degree that if you do it outside of the way He wants you to do it, He'll kill you. That was that was the law. Uh, commit adultery, you're put to death. Death by stoning, I think, is the, the prescription. Right. right. Yeah. So this is another one of the, oh, okay. Uh, this is so that was true. I think uh, this. I don't remember uh, whether adultery was a death offense in the Old Testament. It was very okay. specifically. Okay. Yes. And the death offense uh, in the New Testament, though, there's the example of Jesus saying, let he who is without sin um, cast the first stone. Okay, so, Yeah, but so the important he, thing is to know about that is Jesus didn't change the law. He, so uh, right, he, he just he may have saved introspection. He, yeah, he saved one woman um, and by shaming a mob, but he, he, he didn't change the law. But let's be clear about this, because I don't even want to let that infect the conversation. That is one of those passages that everybody agrees is not actually original to the text. That, that was an add-in. We don't need to make that a part of the theological discussion. So just stop well, it. And, okay. And, and just to give the conservatives uh, a little ammunition, um, you know, one of the, one of the easy games to play here is the context game, right? Well, Jesus is really saying, let he who is without adultery cast the first stone. So he's inviting introspection, but he's only inviting introspection about this, this specific thing, right? So there's, there's, you can carve these passages any way you want. And, and if you think I'm wrong, <laughs> just consider the landscape. Yeah, and, I, and I refuse to address sex. it. I just right. I just refuse okay. to address it because it's it's one of those things. It's like talking about snake handling in uh, Mark 16. You know, the Christians would say, oh, well, that's not really a part of the Bible. Uh, so the same is true for the passage that you were uh, sure. talking about, the woman at the well. So I, I just refuse to give it any credit at all. Well, and 
And somehow, uh, somehow, women still have had a, a rough 2,000 years uh, in, in the Christian church. So One gets the it, sense that this was disproportionately used against women in uh, the Old Testament. I, I can't prove right. that, but one gets that sense. I can prove um, it. <laughs> take war brides. There were no women taught to take war grooms. Right? Women, women had an awful time. Uh, sure. Let, look, it, it goes further. Uh, some some guy rapes some girl, and what is what is the uh, what is one of the outcomes that the, that the Jewish God promotes? Marry your rapist. Sure. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that also just because it's uh, incendiary, incendiary, and I um I, I think it might take us off track too far. <laughs> um, but, but but my right. my bigger point here is that God does care about sex. In the New Testament, He cares about sex as well. He cares about uh, sex in marriage, and it's important to not have sex outside of marriage. Uh, now, an interesting thing a few years ago on Unbelievable, um, there was a show about the purity culture, and there, were, in fact, there were a series of shows. And I can't remember any of the guests at the time, but. Um, the even the conservative uh, that was on that particular show that I'm thinking about did not uh, object on the basis uh, talking about premarital sex. He did not object on the basis that the Bible says it's wrong. The consensus is that the Bible actually doesn't say it's wrong. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't directly forbid it. Um, but um, when you read between the lines. Um, it it would be an impure act. Uh, so this it it's kind of an interesting question uh, on the board. Skeptics and Seekers dot Squarespace dot com. Just uh, logging your discuss account uh, when you see this post come up. Uh, tell me, uh, Christians and former Christians, did you understand sex outside of marriage to be a sin? Uh, Yes or no? I I want okay. I want to hear that from you, but uh, there there does seem to be this this focus. I will say that sex is something to be done in marriage, uh, and that uh, there there are instructions that you know your body is not your own, uh, and that you can't deprive your partner except for a. a a short time, you know, when you're devoting yourself to some religious purification, so maybe right. fasting uh, or something like that. But outside of that, you can't say no. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to take a, a further step so that we don't drag on this thing and uh, talk about some kinds of sex that are forbidden. Uh, in the New Testament quite directly. So we can move over to Romans chapter one, you're familiar with it as I am, uh, you know, those, those dirty guys laying with men. Uh, well, you know, Romans one twenty-seven, right? Uh, they, they've left the natural, this, is, this should offend you whether you're male or female, it's left the natural use of the woman and, uh, you know, two guys having sex, they deserve to burn. 
yeah, so there's that. Um, I, it would have been nice to have some very clear laws against pedophilia. Uh, that I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit could forbid pedophilia given Mary. I am gonna I'm gonna let that pass too. Um, <laughs> it, but, you're I mean, really not you, gonna let me light any fires, are you? That's no. Not, if you if you're if you're thinking about the obvious laws, if you're if you getting a list of prohibitions around sex, things that a god might say about sex and what you should and shouldn't do. Uh, rape and pedophilia should be at the top of the list. It's not entirely clear that those things are actually wrong <laughs> in, uh, if, if the Bible is your source. I mean, you can put together some passages and, you know, come up with uh, an idea that it is, but, you know, thou shalt shalt not have sex with a minor isn't isn't there so um th that would well, have been it nice. doesn't war brides were a real take keep the virgin girls i know I, I understand i i get it i'm just you see for all of the attention that god paid to sex it just seems like he missed some some things and so i we can we can step outside of religion here because I, I would say that religionists are not the only culprits i i do think that it starts with religion but it has infected the culture outside of religion too and the fact of the matter is uh as an atheist i don't believe that there were any gods that said anything uh so we invented gods that care about sex so we still have to address that why what is it about us humans that needs gods to care about sex? Okay, so a lot of times this was this is true for I, I think largely all of our instincts. We have uh, if we if we perceive some instinct as negative, and and this extends even to food, right? There's uh, we have an instinct to eat, and the Christian God, uh, well, at least the uh, the Jewish God, cared about what you ate, cared, cared very much about what you ate. Um, so all of our instincts uh, are heavily religiously, um, uh, heavily religiously uh, moderated. This is true of sex. It's true. Of, it's true of eating, um, and there may be. Uh, other instincts. It is true of how we prosecute wars. I don't know if that's an instinct, but certainly fight or flight is an instinct. So gods get involved where we have compulsions. And mm -hmm. while this is not quite, this is, it's not the right show to talk about compulsion. Uh, I do think that we have often used religion where we lack other understanding mm. to moderate uh, what we might see as a negative compulsion. And, and so I'll leave that as an opening, as a, as a step in an opening thought. Uh, okay. Well, I, I, think, think. I think that's a good, um, a good idea. I do want to have a show on compulsion. It's not, not going to happen this season. Uh, but uh, that's something that I would uh, uh, like to do. I think it's very important. In fact, I, I'll see if I can get Val in on that discussion because it's, that's going to be a deeply philosophical um, conversation as well. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to agree with 
that insight without taking it much further because I, I have to do a lot more thinking on the, the subject of compulsion in general, but I, that seems intuitively correct to me, but it still doesn't answer the question then, but it's just a doorway to the next question, which is uh, why do, why have we adjudicated this compulsion, this, this, um, I, I, I'm forgetting how to say words. Why, uh, why have we adjudicated this in such a negative light uh, with so many restrictions and so many taboos around it? Um, so, you know, se sex is a, it's a bodily function. Uh, we have a lot of bodily functions and, you know, we have some taboos perhaps around some of the bodily functions, but there's sex is a kind of a taboo thing in almost every culture. And so is, is there just a, something natural about um, shame? Are we ashamed of nudity? Are we ashamed of um, desire? Uh, or what, what is it that we're ashamed of that would make us say that this act is both dangerous and bad and should only be taken with the greatest of care. I wonder if there's a popularity issue here. So we're, we're pretty sure now um, that about 10% of the population uh, is going to be homosexual. Now, I don't know if all of the LGBTQI plus community falls into that 10%. We, we are only now being allowed to open up the sexual conversation in public and to really do a lot of research about uh, about what gender identity is. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, gender and sexual identity are not at all the same thing. Um, your sexual preferences and your gender preferences uh, don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. Um, but what I am saying is in the past, because the, because the majority of people prefer heterosexual sex, as far as we know, uh, that seems to, I can see how that would morph into, if you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. And, and it becoming a prohibition, uh, even, without, even without the introduction of a cult. In a small uh, culture group, a small social group, that depends on um, breeding to survive. Anyone doing sex in a way that guarantees breeding doesn't happen. I suspect would be um, that you know there there's some natural reasons why they they might think that's not such a good idea. However, in a uh, tribe where there are too many men and not enough women. I would think that homosexuality would be welcome <laughs> because oh, and, it, yeah. you know, it, would, it would reduce the competition. And our sexual instincts are, are quite strong, aren't they? And so I don't know about you, but I do have um, a list of, of sexual acts uh, and people that I wouldn't have sex with, right? That, that feels somehow, um, I don't want to say wrong because... I, I don't think of sex as right and wrong in that way, but uh, certainly as something that I wouldn't prefer, something I would give a hard no 
too. Sorry. <laughs> Just leave it. Yeah, I think it would it. be a soft no, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I asked you to go past it, man. You just, just couldn't leave it, could you? So, uh, there are, there are sex acts, uh, and people that I would say no to with no reservation and unlimited no. And I think that those strong emotional responses can also be interpreted as, um, my God says this is bad. And if you do it, you're bad. Yeah, I think so. My speculation is there's there's some real evolutionary reasons to why we evolved gods that were conservative about sex. Um, in in the first place, um, if you're once again you're you've got to throw your mind back to a time when we're dealing with small tribal uh, groups. Uh, in fact, maybe even uh, nomadic groups. Um, so why wouldn't there be a command that says thou shalt not rape? Well, they, they actually need it to do that. <laughs> they, um, if you look at just the, the Jewish culture in, in scripture, I'm not trying to pick on Christians. Sorry. Um, you know, I've read the Bible, not responsible for it. Um, but if you, if you look and you see where, okay, well, this tribe, they don't have enough women and they have too many men and the solution is okay well you go over here uh to this tribe and you conquer them and you snatch yourself enough women so that your men will have wives right i mean so you you can't actually have a coherent law that says thou shalt not rape that wouldn't make any sense you also can't have any coherent laws that say thou shalt not have sex with a minor because, um, you know, their, their lifespans were very short and uh, they, you know, they had sex with whomever was sexually mature. Sexual maturity happens at about 12 or 13. Uh, so, you know, uh, you can't, such a, such a law from such a God wouldn't make any sense. That said, uh, it does make sense to treat your women and daughters as property. And so it does make sense that the, the, this God would view sex in terms of property rights, uh, as opposed to some other things. And so I, I think that it's driven largely by evolution, whether you were into the gods or not. And I would, I would just say that today, if, if, a if we're inventing gods for today, or if, if Judaism was started today, as opposed to 4,000 years ago, I dare say the laws would look very differently because the world is very different. And uh, mm -hmm. we don't have small tribes anymore uh, that depend on um, everybody pro you know doing their part and, and procreating to, uh, stay big and strong. What we have is an overpopulated world. It's not even a matter of competition. We've we've got enough men and women to go around for everybody. Competition is not a problem today, but overpopulation is a problem. So I, I think that we would have a God with very different mores uh, for the gods that are invented today. So one of the things that you promised in the beginning of the show is to just open these topics up and that there would be 
panel interviews. Uh, if you're okay with this, I'm going to use a question uh, from the lurkers, uh, a question from those who are participating in the chat room. Uh, thank you to, uh, to everyone that is participating. Is it okay to, um, uh, to give their names? Is there, is there anybody that doesn't want their name offered? No, you can give um, their names. Chucklehead one, Chucklehead two. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we have a we we have a Brian. Uh, this is this is Brian with an I uh, participating in the chat room, and he said something that I think is a great transition out of uh, out of the the early theological uh, discussion into point number two, having to do with legality and consent. So Brian wrote that, uh, that sex is a bodily function. And some people think that it has uh, psychological, emotional, and spiritual implications. So I, I guess I want to start by saying that uh, masturbation is a bodily function. Feeling good is a bodily function. Uh, sex, however, is a function between two or more people. And so while I agree with the idea uh, that I think you were expressing, uh, I disagree with how you wrote it. Sex is not a bodily function. Sex is an act between two or more people, whereas the desire for sexual uh, gratification is something that we can fulfill uh, on an individual basis. Okay, so we're getting into some semantics here, uh, but the semantics may be important. Uh, Dale uh, is in the chat. Uh, Dale, I saw your thumb go up. Did you did you have anything to say on that part? Since uh, you know you've you've read most of the Bible now, uh, and so maybe you have some uh, uh, um, just some thought that we missed or you, that you think we misrepresented. Um, okay, so so in the first place, I was just putting my thumbs up to Andrew that you're allowed to mention my name or something if you want. Okay, um, chucklehead one. Um, <laughs> What what is you? <laughs> we'll oh, just call sorry. you Dale. Um, just so the audience knows, me, me and David Russell are kind of messing with uh, with David and Andrew here in the in the chat. So. And they get what they deserve. <laughs> they do it to us. I mean, you dare. By, by next by next season, we will have the chat uh, on screen so that people can see the abuse we take. <laughs> but um, yeah, so what's the the what was it the topic about uh, different dimensions? Right? Is well, that... yes, theologically speaking, uh, I think the broader topic is what, why do we invent gods or why do we have gods that even care uh, about sex to begin with? Yeah, so so yeah, I, I think I would like to hear, um, well, again, from your guys as two skeptics, you don't care about the Bible and that sort of thing, but as two former Christians, maybe you guys can speak to why did you guys as Christians think that the Bible cares about that was it just something you had no clue about um in in my own case i have my sort of answer as to why i think he cares about proper sexual relations and that sort of thing and it has to do with harm uh as to what brian was saying on this spiritual dimension if, if it causes spiritual harm to us and that sort of thing so that's my answer as a christian but i want to throw it to you guys what did you guys think as christian why did god care so much about this okay i'm gonna go first um Andrew, you're too slow. Um, so I'm reading the chat room. Like I, like I said uh, initially, I had the question never crossed my mind until my late 30s. In fact, it didn't cross my mind. I just heard someone ask it, and I couldn't answer it, and I still can't. 
so it's one of those it was one of those things that kind of kind of changed my thinking just to hear the question um it it makes no sense now i this is the part that we haven't talked about and so you're right to bring up the spiritual dimension uh and it's a little it's somewhat why i want to go into definitions before we move into our next topic of what we're even talking about when we talk about sex because i i think that there may be uh an additional component to the conversation that i am ill-equipped to discuss uh so i believe that sexuality is a purely physical thing then again i believe that everything in the universe is a purely physical thing um so i am a uh, hard materialist uh in that sense and uh philosophically uh speaking too so i don't I don't know how anyone would demonstrate something that's not uh, material or that is merely a description of material or a relationship between two things that are material. So that said, um, I do, there's no spiritual dimension of sex. I don't even know, I, I mean, I don't even know what I would have thought that meant when I was a Christian. It's just a thing yeah. that you grow up with and you hear people saying, but what is the spiritual dimension of sex? So, I have no idea. As, uh, and as an atheist, I gotta tell you, it just sounds like utter nonsense to me. There's, there's nothing spiritual. There's nothing metaphysical. Um, there, there are things that are emotional uh, about it, but you know, all of that happens inside the body in physical ways. There's nothing about sex that happens outside of the body in some non-physical way. And so, so that's how I would answer that question. I, I did have an answer to this um, by the time I got to college. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know when I first started really thinking about this deeply. Uh, and oh, by the way, I should say that the quote that I attributed uh, to Brian with an I, he was quoting you, David. So, oh, so, okay. um, so uh, apologies to, to Brian with an I, I, uh, I, I not only straw manned him, I just completely falsely attributed to him. So, uh, so apologies there. Um, so it's your fault, David. Uh, and okay. that'll be the theme for the rest of the show. It's, it's your it fault, David. Be. Okay. <laughs> so I think I'd have answered the question very differently. I, well, I don't know if it's very differently. I'd have said that the, uh, that the primary purpose for sex uh, was not enjoyment and, and, and the New Testament uh, as far as I know, the Old Testament talks very little about sexual gratification, sexual enjoyment. Um, certainly, we have the Have the you Song read of the Song of Solomon? I just <laughs> okay. I just Never said mind. very little. I just said very little, and and the Song of Solomon is as much a love poem as it is a poem about sexual gratification. So. Um, you know, I think to get to sexual gratification in the Song of Solomon, uh, you have to do uh, a lot of reading between the lines, just like we do, uh, you know, if we're looking at soft porn or whatever. Uh, I would, I would also say that the Song of Solomon is um, some, some scholarly opinions. Is that the Song of Solomon? Song of Solomon is not about sex at all. Uh, right. That's what I'm saying. Sex you have is to used read here in a metaphor. Right. You have to read between the lines uh, to get there with the Song of Solomon. But uh, so what I thought sex was for, uh, quite honestly, was uh, extending the boundaries of the kingdom. You have a baby to grow the church. And, and that's pretty, it, it's 
pretty well carved out, isn't it? So uh, fathers raise your children in the Lord, uh, you know, uh, train up a child in the way he should go when he's on his own part. What was sex for? Sex was to have children. And you had children to grow the borders of the kingdom. And that's where I stood on the issue. Now, look, it was a great way to, to extend the borders of the kingdom. But if you think I'm wrong about this, why does the conservative church, and I'm, I'm not calling out a specific denomination because many of them have this view, and I'm not calling out all conservative denominations because they don't all share this view, but to the extent that they do, why is there not good sex education on something as simple as masturbation? Why would masturbation ever be prohibited if sex is not only for one thing? And that's to, to have children so you can offer them up to God. Right. So I, I would also say before um, Dale comes in, the um, passage you're thinking about uh, with Onan, we often call masturbation onanism. Well, actually, we don't often call it, but... Um, <laughs> I never how, call it that, but I'm familiar that, right. with it. Yes. <laughs> that, is, that is how it is sometimes referred to by people who don't want to say masturbation. Um, so th it's, it got its name from a fellow named Onan. And his brother, uh, I want to say his older brother, died. And so as per Jewish law, his brother's wife was passed down to him. And it wasn't just a matter in the law of you've got to financially take care of this woman. You had to sexually take care of this woman, too. You had to bear children, uh, ha have her bear, bear children. Uh, so it was it was a sexual relationship that you had to have. And this doesn't matter whether you had a wife or not. So um, otherwise, legalized um, polygamy. Come at me, bros um, and sister. Uh, but yeah, so so in this one story, Onan did not want to uh, sire a child by his brother's wife because of their their tribal structure or whatever. You know, maybe then this would be this child would would inherit as opposed to his his other children. I I, I don't know the details of why, but he didn't want to he didn't want to do that, and so he had sex with the woman. But he pulled out and blew his load on the ground. Uh, and so that is what is referred to as onanism. Um, and uh, we have since kind of associated masturbation uh, with that act. And basically all it is is a sex act that ends in a non-productive orgasm. That's, um, that's, that's literally what we're talking about. Uh, well, and, and so on, one, one last thing. Onan's punishment for this was death. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and and we have the same uh, we have the same issue around discussion of, of, of female masturbation, and <laughs> you know it's not clear uh, that they should even be uh, in the same in the same discussion. There's there's no actual example uh, of a of a female being uh, prohibited from from masturbation. Uh, but my yeah, understanding, but what, she, what she couldn't do is refuse to have sex while she was ovulating, saying, well, I, I don't want to have I don't want to have a baby, so I'm not going to have sex. She could not do that. Right. Put, put a pin in that for a second, because what I am saying is uh, my understanding from 
past girlfriends uh, throughout my life and, and other relationships, and even the one I'm in, in now, is that women don't get any better education about masturbation than guys do. And, uh, and women uh, can't uh, spill their seed on the ground. Uh, so they don't have the, the same issue that an onion has. And so I think what I'm, what I'm pointing out is that whether we're talking about uh, boys or girls, we do a terrible job as a society, especially the religious uh, component of our society of talking about self-gratification. Okay, Dale, uh, I wanted you to finish your thought there. Uh, you wanted to know our thoughts. I think that yours probably be more interesting. This is what happens though when you let us go first. Uh, so go ahead and, uh, and round out your thought there. I don't want to lose it. And then we'll move to bullet point number two. I tried to drag us over there 20 minutes ago. You refused. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we're, we're almost there. All right. Uh, okay, yeah, so, so cool. Yeah, I just wanted to get your answers. Uh, particularly, like, obviously, I know as atheists, you guys are going to be physicalists and that sort of thing and not take on that spiritual dimension aspect. But I was interested as Christians, how did you answer? And uh, just kind of, I guess, say yes quickly or something. So, David, I think for you, uh, you didn't know. It was just an arbitrary command. God commands it. So we do it kind of thing. You didn't yes. have an answer. Okay. And Andrew, for you, it was related to, it's got to be related to procreation in order to be good there's something like that like proper procreation. yeah that was that was my understanding in college i think probably i evolved past that um after college but yeah that was that was uh that was my understanding then yeah gotcha okay yeah so so yeah i guess my take on that again why god has these commands is because it's related to spiritual harm um you know if you have sex out uh, outside of a proper context of being married uh, between a man and a woman, that sort of thing, um, it causes spiritual harm uh, to the person. And that's why things like homosexuality or, for, or fornication or adultery uh, are wrong. And God, uh, you know, these have powerful spiritual aspects and, and create spiritual effects on us. It's not just physical um, and that sort of thing. So that that's my explanation as to why I could say God isn't just giving arbitrary commands. He's giving commands that are for our own good. They come with a purpose. And God knows in what context um, sex is good for us and what context it's harmful for us. Um, in terms of Andrew's point, I, I would just sort of say it's... I understand why a lot of Christians think it's all about procreation, or at least during your time in college, the Old Testament is definitely preoccupied with that dimension. And that's one of the main aspects for it. But uh, it's about more than that. It's it's about bonding and, and having that relationship, you know, becoming one mm. flesh and that sort of thing. That's another main purpose. Another main purpose is is pleasure and stuff like that between the spouses. So it's, it's multidimensional the purpose for, for the and goodness of sex in a proper context and that sort of thing. So it's not just one aspect or another. I'll um, tell you where we can agree. Um, so I, I, I could use the word spiritual here uh, and, and just mean that sort of transcendent experience that I think, uh, I think is actually a physical response. So, uh, but I'll say rather than spiritual in order not to muddy the water, uh, I'll say emotional experience. 
And, and there's actually a, a place where you and I, uh, where you and I agree. Uh, there's a place where we don't agree. I'll start with that. Uh, if you think bad sex can't happen in marriage, you haven't looked at the divorce rate. And so it's not the case. It's not the case that keeping sex inside marriage means good sex. It doesn't. Um, so, uh, so I just, I just disagree that God knowing what's best for us means sex inside a marriage because there are plenty of people that are living in, uh, are living in awful marriages that include, uh, that include their sex lives. So that doesn't get me far, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to accept that we disagree where we agree is, uh, that, Sex has an emotional component. I wouldn't say spiritual, but I think it does have a, uh, an emotional and psychological component. And, and in fact, we know, what, uh, we know what some of those chemicals are. Uh, you know, we, we know about uh, norepinephrine. We, we know about uh, oxytocin, right? And, and we know about their connection to sex. And, and so to that extent, um, we want sex, I think, by and large. Well, uh, those those of us with a with a roughly normal psychology, we want sex to uh, be something that gratifies both people, right? We don't want sex to be that thing that harms. I don't I don't think there's a God, but I do think that Christians are pushing a line that is is trying to guarantee. Uh, a good sexual outcome uh, for two people. Frankly, a marriage contract doesn't do that, but I am willing to grant that that's what Christians want. So, so I hope we can get some agreement in there. I tried anyway. So we're gonna we're going to table this conversation for the um, for the panel, uh, and I assure you, I'm not satisfied with saying that because I want to rejoin. Uh, but I want to get to the next topic even more than I want to rejoin. So put a pin in it and uh, we'll get back to it next week when we have a few more people to discuss. So we've, we've introduced the issue. Uh, yes. And I, I assure you, I will pick up with some comments <laughs> that, that follow this, this line of thought. So um, the heart of this topic for me is our, is, the next bullet point here, which is the matter of consent. And it is the most difficult part of the conversation for me. Uh, the rest is pretty easy for me. It's, it's all fun and games. Um, and it's fairly inconsequential to me, <laughs> frankly. Um, I, I mostly don't care what you think about sex or what kind of sex you want to do or whether you want to do it in marriage or out of marriage or what your God says, don't give a damn. Um, but we all have to give a damn about consent. And so first, the first thing about consent is what is it? So we were going to define sexuality before we got here. So we'll, we'll try to define sexuality while we're here, but we also need to define consent because it's easy to say that, uh, sex is something that happens between two consenting adults. Um, sure. Um, but that doesn't mean much if you don't agree on what consent is and what all it uh, entails. 
Or what it also doesn't help. Adult, by the way. It, well, you're right, and it also doesn't help if you don't agree with what constitutes sex. <laughs> so, um, so just uh, just as an example, um, masturbation, some would say, is not sex; it's just self gratification. But I suspect it's listed as a sex act. Uh, and it's something that can be done in the context of couples. They don't ever have to have penetrative sex. Um, you know, if if it was something that you saw your kid doing, you would think sex, I think. And so it may technically not be sex, but it seems like sex to me. Um, are you talking but about you, masturbation? Lost yes, we're talking about. I'm talking about masturbation, but it's 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 more than that. So, um, you know, if, uh, just keeping it in the context of couples for a moment, oral sex. Well, that's got to be sex because it's right in the name, right? Oral sex, but there's it's not it's not a penetrative sex uh, penetrating uh, the area that we are talking about anyway. It's, it's certainly not vaginally uh, penetrative. Um, but we would think of that as sex. Now, digital sex or fingering um, is uh, penetrative, but it's it's you know what we call that second base. I, I'm not sure. Uh, it's not well, a home run. Pretty sure that's <laughs> third base. Second. So so according to Seventeen magazine. Yes, yes. For the for the sex show, I read a magazine for teens. I don't. Yes, I don't want. I, I don't. Did. Know, I don't want your reading list, and I'm not going to link to it. <laughs> well, you didn't have to. I just mentioned the source, so <laughs> I should give a damn. Uh, so, uh, according to Seventeen magazine, uh, second base is anything that involves the boobs. So there, there mm. you go. Okay. So yeah. well, in that so um, what we think, what we might call making out. At least what our parents would have called making out uh, or play and or, or heavy petting uh, yep. what is a you know you have to be kind of old to, <laughs> for these terms what do the kids um, call that is days? mostly <laughs> outer sex inner uh, sorry uh, outer course so intercourse is uh, is uh, vaginal penetration uh, with the penis, it may also be anal penetration. Right. But penis. Kissy, those are those are intercourse, outer kissy, course. Kissy, sucky, feely, uh, gropey uh, stuff. Um, some some would say, well, that's sex, or some would say it's not sex. Um, there there's there are lots of things that you can do. Dry humping, sex or not sex. Not looks sex. like sex. It's outer, it's outer course. <laughs> well, once again, though, it depends on how you're defining it. So I understand that you have a particular definition about sex that only includes intercourse. Um, Not true. But I, okay, well, it um, sounds like where you're going there. But I, I will say Okay, that, well, I actually agree. I actually agree that oral sex uh, is, is sex. Um, so I didn't respond to that, but I think that's, uh, I think that's right. And I think, okay. uh, anal sex is sex. So yeah, you just had a misperception. Yeah. So I'm not gonna, I'm not actually gonna prosecute here. What is or isn't sex because I'm not sure that you can, uh, because everyone has a different idea of that. Um, I, 
let me put it this way. If, if, you know, when I was 13, 14, 15, if I was caught, um, heavily petting a, a girl, uh, in some quiet place, uh, I never encountered a parent mine or theirs that was okay with it. <laughs> so, um, you know, they treated it like sex. And so from, from my perspective, I would call all of it sexual gratification. Uh, and I don't, I don't preference intercourse uh, over other sexual acts when I'm talking about sex. So my, my, when I'm talking about sex, I have a fairly broad view of what all is entailed in that and my understanding is your your view would be uh, somewhat more narrow than mine when you're talking about sex mm. um yeah. so okay <laughs> so um i don't well, i don't have any i don't have any i don't have any stake in what you think of as sex uh and where i might differ Right. Um, my, my only so, point, my only point in bringing up bringing this up definitionally is that as we discuss this and as it gets discussed on the board over the next few weeks, understand that you may have a very different idea of what you mean by sex than the person you're talking to. Um, Andrew and I have known each other for a long time, and we we're never going to agree on this. <laughs> so we're um, we. Uh, you know, definitionally, it seems it seems that it depends on just your particular uh, metaculture uh, is is how you're going to define it. And so, I, I think a lot of things include sex, and I think a lot of, it depends on who you are and where you're from. There are a lot of taboos around things that aren't necessarily sex. So, uh, so for instance, dry humping. Uh, which Andrew wouldn't call sex, but I, I can assure you every uh, adult that I went to church with uh, would uh, demand that their kids repent from sex um, for, for, for the sin of having premarital sex if uh, all they were doing is dry humping. And if you're in a marriage relationship and you are dry humping an, you know someone who is not your spouse, uh, I'm pretty sure your spouse would probably consider it in infidelity, <laughs> and I don't know what the courts would say. I'm pretty sure the courts would probably agree. Um, I don't know. It's um, I, I think it's just nailing down exactly what we all mean by sex is harder than it seems. <laughs> you know we've avoided innuendo i'm gonna keep avoiding yeah. so i think uh i think it's time we spent a lot of time uh trying to define consent i think we should keep trying to define that with some with some better ground rules um so in the run-up to this show uh i went over to hhs.gov so that's health and human services I'm and gonna, they I'm actually put this in the uh in the show notes when I actually write something up. Okay, it should. It should go in the show notes. So this is useful for every listener. Oh, actually, let me do something else first. Uh, this, is, this is my public service announcement to the community. Um, this is a hard topic. Conversations about, uh, about sex, uh, about what it means to consent, 
these are difficult topics. Uh, people uh, cross the lines and people have the lines crossed. If you are in a situation where you need to talk to someone about, uh, about something negative that happened to you, stop listening to this and go find someone to help. There's a national sex abuse hotline. You can chat with them online. You can call them on the phone, but you don't even have to look that up. If you have a hotline number already, if you've been in crisis in the past and you've got a hotline number in your phone, just call any hotline. The, the great thing about help hotlines is that they usually keep other hotline numbers. So the sex conversation is difficult. And uh, if you've been a victim, be your own best advocate. Right. Uh, so and I, I just want to be clear. I know that I said we're going to talk about consent, but the reason that the um, definitions matter for this next section is because we're going to we're going to talk about age of consent as as one of the things that that we're going to discuss. Well, so it's going to get harder question, from here on out. It's going to be yeah, it's going to get real tough. And uh, one of the challenges is consent for what? Uh, so if you're if you're if we're talking about criminal prosecution. Um, I don't, I won't have much to say about that. I suspect Andrew, uh, will have more to say about it than me, but if we're talking about criminal prosecution, uh, it, and you're in one of these categories that we're about to talk about, um, where you, you have crossed the line age wise, you're 16 and you are dating a 13 year old, um, have you committed a crime if uh, you have not had penetrative sex? Um, you know, just as an example, I don't know what the law is on that. Um, so there, there are some legal uh, definitions here that I don't have. And I, you know, maybe Teddy will join us in the comments or on one of the panels and help clear that up. But they're what not the call, same in every what we state. call sex matters is what i'm saying um because if if you do one thing uh with a you know a, a 14 year old you're probably okay but if you do another one you're a criminal uh and once again depending on your age relative uh to it so uh just this is this is all groundwork to talk about what we're going to talk about right now so let's just let's just get into it so uh starting with age uh of consent the question is how old should one be before they are able to be considered um consenting um well it's way lower than 25 uh even though that we know brains aren't formed at that point it's actually uh 18 i think in some places but it's, it's way lower than that <laughs> in many this is something that you might think is um federally determined if you're outside of the u.s you might think that even if you're inside of the u.s you might think that it is not true the answer to that question differs differs from state to state so whether you have committed a criminal oh. act or not will uh largely depend on what state you're in and maybe what state you're from and, and what kind so, of um there are federal statutes um so so there are 
federal sex crimes, but uh, by and large, the the sex crimes that happen between or sex or a sex crime that might happen between any two or more people uh, is is down at the state level. But there are there are federal sex crimes. Right, but so you, you you're dealing with two sets of charts to be sure. But um, it's important for people to know that there are state there's a state level. I know. I looked done. it up. Right. Yeah. In the in the fifty <laughs> states, do not agree. Uh, so you essentially have 50 laws uh, on on this. And so uh, just just the simplest in the simplest of terms, what do we consider an age of consent where you can do what you want to with anyone your age or older? Uh, and it's it's not the government's concern. 18 is one of the ages. Uh, sometimes it's 17, sometimes it's 16. 16 uh, I, is I saw the a lot majority of, 16. of states. Yeah, the majority I saw a lot of, of 16. Um, but there is there's also some nuance. So hold on before you before you get okay. there because we've got to we've got to be careful to define these things because I don't have the chart in front of them and I'm not using Zoom on the Mac because it was giving me feedback. Right, and I'm not and I'm not going to open up the chart myself. Okay, I'll find it distracting. <laughs> right. So when we say that among most states. 16 is the age of consent. What we're actually saying uh, universally for this chart that David's going to link to is that at, at 16 or 17 or 18, there are a few states that have a slightly higher age. There, is, there are one or two states that have 15 as the age of consent. What we are saying is that a person at that age can choose any sexual partner regardless of age. Now, it, they may not be able, even in the United States, to choose the partner of their gender, to choose gender. But we are saying that at roughly 16, that's the majority of states, uh, a person can choose a sexual partner regardless of the age of the partner if they are older than 16. So 16 is the age of consent uh, to choose another partner of a consenting age, regardless of the partner. Right. So if you're 16 and the age of consent in your state is 16, you can have sex with a 30 year old. Uh, 30 year old right. has done nothing wrong by having sex that is, with a 16 year old. That's right. Even though we might find it creepy and, and probably should. Um, so, yes. So that's uh, that is the age of consent. And you're about to get into the nuance. Right. Right. So uh, even before we get into the nuance, just just think, though about how complicated it is to come up with that formula at all. Why is 16, why do we consider 16 the right age for uh, experimenting with sex? I really think about, it's driver's licenses. I really yeah, do. So I, I, think, I think that's probably true. I think there are cultural reasons for that. Yeah. And um, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna self edit and not go into some of the, the culture talk that I had planned for this section because we went a little bit longer the, the last one. This won't be the last thing I have to say about it. It's just be the last thing I have to say about it in this particular show. But um, yeah, I do think it's it's culture. But the fact of the matter is uh, sexual maturity, and let me just define sexual maturity for you the way I mean it. And, and you might have a different definition of sexual maturity. But when I talk about sexual maturity, uh, what I'm talking about is for a girl, the ability to get pregnant and for a male uh the ability to make someone pregnant um and so the cycle can continue uh with sexual pre 
reproduction at at that age. So whatever that age is, because uh, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. Some uh, some girls have uh, been pregnant at twelve. I think the youngest age uh, a girl has been pregnant is preteen. Uh, it's, uh, it's very rare, but it, you know, the body is, uh, very flexible and sometimes hard to understand. Um, and it doesn't give us a, a good solid answer for that, but just as a, um, a general average, uh, I'm going to say 13, uh, by 13, almost everybody can either make someone pregnant or get pregnant. And so when I talk about sexual maturity, that's what I'm talking about. And so even if you put the age as high as 13, you're still talking about three years from sexual maturity to the time when we as a culture say, okay, you can, it's okay for you to have sex. So what explains that disparity? Um, what, what, in fact, what is the, what is a method that we should use to come up with an age of um, where it's okay to have sex. I, oh, now, no, I, don't know the, I don't know the answer to this question, by the way. I do. Um, we should use yeah. the Bible. The Bible should just give us, oh. No. Actually, it doesn't. No. Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry, David Russell. That didn't work out very well, did it? No. Yeah. I, but, sorry. I, but I'm going to throw, throw the Christians a bone, uh, actually, and say that I am sympathetic uh, oh. for cultures that put the age of sexual consent closer to 13. Um, I, I, I'm sympathetic for that in, in, the, in only this way. This is something that Andrew and I argued about bitterly yesterday. Uh, so we will not rehash the entire conversation. I'm not even going to tag it with my usual, I was right, because I honestly don't know. But my, um, my intuition is that the biological age should be the stronger guide, but there are also cultural uh, guides to consider too. So if in your culture, the, you know, the average age of death is about 40, you got a lot of life that you got to live from the time that you're sexually mature to the time you die. You've got to, everything is highly compressed at that point. So people would naturally not wait until they're 25, say, to marry. Uh, you're a grandparent by then. Uh, you're you're a spinster by 16. <laughs> you know what's how, how come you haven't gotten married yet? Uh, so I think that there are you know that there could be a certain configuration of culture, especially in the past, um, that I am not uh, familiar with, where it may have been viable and reasonable for the sexual age of consent to be the physical age of sexual maturity. But in our culture, that doesn't make sense. But it does create an awkward disparity because our body is ready, but our culture is not. Um, okay. So you can have the last I word on this. We've we've argued about it, so you can. You, that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, right. Unless you, <laughs> so this is this is an interesting one. I don't necessarily agree that because our bodies are ready, we're ready. Um, so sex is not just a uh, sex is not just uh, bumping uglies. 
And because it's not just bumping noodles, because there is a, uh, uh, a psychological uh, and emotional component, and because we're actually, we're actually quite positive that our brains aren't finished developing until roughly our mid-20s, uh, and because we do measure things like mental age versus chronological age, um, we can be quite sure that it is possible for someone to be ready for sex physically without being ready emotionally. In fact, as a result of uh, human growth hormones in the American diet, uh, over the course of the Industrial Revolution, it is the case that onset of puberty for girls uh, has backed up about two years. And we have cases of, of the onset of puberty uh, in girls as young as nine years old. I'm not positive for boys. So uh, it, it may be uh, that the same is true for boys. I am certain of this detail uh, for girls. And so I don't think any of us would defend the ground uh, that physical readiness for sex uh, in regard to puberty at, at nine or 10 years old uh, means, oh, wow, the person can all of a sudden consent emotionally and, and psychologically. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that case. The case that I would begin to make and leave for later discussion would be the greater the disparity between physical readiness and your, the actual first act, the bigger the problems uh, that there will be. So if you're, if you're physically ready for sex at, 13. But your culture says, well, you've got to wait until marriage. So we're talking at least 18 uh, now in, in some places. Uh, and if you uh, defer marriage until after school, 20, uh, 22, uh, the mess that your body makes of sexuality between 13 and 22 is not good. That's not a positive thing. And I, and I would say that the, the delay, uh, this rather artificial delay, does more harm than good. Uh, not prepared to defend that right now, but I'll, I'll throw that out there for future discussion. Now, some delay uh, is probably good. So maybe 16 is good, uh, it, especially in a culture as complicated as ours. Um, but again, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how we came up with the ages that we did, why some states think that 16 is good and others think it's 17 and others think it's 18. I don't know what the calculus is that, that brought people to that, deci that decision. But I would say that the longer it goes, the, the more chances of problems you have. So for instance, you're, you're sexually mature at 13, but for whatever wackadoo religious reason, you don't have sex until you're 30 or you never have sex, but you're still sexually mature and you're, you're not asexual. Uh, you, you've got a problem. If you, if you go straight from, you know, your parochial school to becoming a Catholic priest, uh, and you are a sexually vibrant person, uh, who has never had sex, you were, you were probably a danger to people. So uh, the way we get these laws is politics is the art of the possible. That's how we get them. States have to deal with uh, 
uh, with child predators. Uh, they have to deal with young adults. They have to deal with, with children who are ready. Um, and, and then you get a, a whole bunch of people together in a room and, uh, and they try to come up with something sensible. And we certainly can't do it at the individual level because how do you know uh, what young person is going to be ready at, uh, at 16 and what, which one's going to be ready at 17, right? Or, or younger or older. And so politics is the art of the possible. That's how we get these laws. What we haven't done yet is talk about what consent actually is. When you get two people together uh, in a bedroom or a car or the woods or the high school bathroom or wherever they get together, what does it mean to consent? When does consent start? When does it stop? Who is responsible? We, we're still not there. We can leave that uh, for a panel, and maybe we should, but this is the question of consent, and we still haven't gotten to it. No, it, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it um, today, but I, I do want to just put some of the issues out there. So uh, in the chart, uh, I linked to it. I threw a link in the chat room here. I will put it on the board at some point. But um, there's so there's the idea of age disparity. So uh, let's let's set aside the age of consent for a moment and go uh, forward to the age where um, you have committed a crime, because there is, in fact, a, a huge difference between age of consent and you've you've committed an act with a person of an age where it's a crime and, and they're a victim. So two 13 year olds to introduce this two 13 year olds can have sex. And no crime has been committed. Even though the age of consent is 16, we'll just use that as an average. If you're in a place where the age of consent is 16, and you're 13, and you have sex with another 13 year old, you have not committed a crime. However, there is a disparity uh, that's baked into the law. So if you're, say, a 13 year old girl and you have sex with a 14 year old, boy, that boy still probably has not committed a crime. At 15, probably not has committed a crime, but it depends on what the disparity, the age disparity is in that state. So if it's two years, if a 16-year-old has sex with a 13-year-old, that's a crime. Now, However, it may not be a prosecutable right. That's what I was just, I was just going <laughs> to say. Now, whether it's prosecutable or not is another whole set of laws, and uh, states are going to deal with that very differently. But I, I will just say that it's a crime if there is a three-year disparity and you are 16 and they are 13. That is where a crime has committed, uh, been committed. Uh, any, any set of combinations before that, no crime has been committed because both were under the age of consent and it doesn't matter. It's like, it doesn't count. However, the legal question that I have, don't know the answer, didn't look it up. Uh, curious to uh, hear what Teddy has to say uh, on this and anyone who happens to know the answer to it, don't just, don't just spitball an answer. Um, if uh, a set of, let's say very liberal parents get together and they want their children to experience sex. And so they, 
have they arrange or or agree that you know if their children uh find you know they're, they're each other attractive and they want to have sex that they would simply make uh that possibility available right so um with it's because this the the sexuality itself is not a crime um but uh you know to the extent that it could be encouraged or enabled by an adult is that a crime yes i don't know the answer i do okay yeah so um it is it is possible um so so there are statutes about lewd acts uh as a for instance so um let's say you don't ever let's say you so imagine a imagine someone who prefers children um but they never touch a child uh and uh and they never speak to a child is it still possible for them to do something sexual in regard to that child well yeah they can expose themselves right that's a lewd act um and it is punishable in the in the same way um if you were to uh let, let's say you had a habit of um, uh, of leaving suggestive material for the teens in your house, and then you uh, and then you said, "Hey, I'm going to go away for the weekend, and um, and I'm going to leave a bunch of beer, and I don't care uh, if you you know if you have a drunken party as long as I don't know everything's fine." Oh, actually, that sounds like the 1980s, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, but but today, you could in some jurisdictions uh, end up in end up in trouble for contributing to the delinquency. Now the drinking part would be the easiest thing to prove. Um, but if if someone turned up pregnant, um, you know you might well be on the on the hook for not providing proper supervision. So that's that's so. a little bit complicated to me. So the other question that uh, I had, which is probably covered under the Lude Acts, but I'm speaking specifically about what would constitute sex under the law. So if mm. if a, um, uh, and let's just make it uh, an 18 year old has uh, non-penetrative um acts of physical gratification uh, things that i would call sex that andrew wouldn't um with a 15 year old uh and we have uh the two-year disparity uh thing actually i had an 18 year old i don't think it would matter anyway but um so if you if you have that situation would the 18 year old be guilty of a sex crime what did the 18 year old do again? Not, not vaginal penetration. Okay. Was there anal penetration? Was there oral penetration? Not anal or oral penetration. Okay. So, um, you can, you can be convicted, um, for assault, uh, you know, simply by going up and, and, uh, we see this pretty regularly. Uh, we, we see this with politicians. Uh, he didn't rape me. But he couldn't keep his hands off it, right? Yeah, but we're not. We're still so, talking. Well, I, I consensual. Well, I'm answering your question is, directly. You're you're asking can an 18 year old be convicted of of some crime for something that is short of a sex act? The answer to that is yes. 
Yeah, but I'm, I, I just want to make it clear. I'm not talking about uh, some type of assault. Um, I'm, I'm just oh, saying. Oh, you, you're, you're suggesting that maybe the 15-year-old uh, year old was okay with the heavy pet. Yeah, not maybe, uh, definitely. In fact, the 15-year-old may have been the, um, the, the aggressor. It doesn't matter. It, the only thing that matters in this scenario is you have two consenting people, but not adults, under these laws, um, the 15-year-old would not be considered at the age of consent. And if it was a 17-year-old, there would be no legal issue at all. Right. But at 18, so, there's a legal issue, but I don't know what the legal issue would be exactly because there was no penetrative sex. Right. The courts try really hard to duck these things. Um, I don't know what all of the rules are, and, and it's impossible to know all the rules. Right. So we've got 50 states and the rules are different uh, in every state, although there are some broad agreements. Um, but this kind of thing happens in high schools all the time. There, there are plenty of guys who have birthdays in the wrong part of the year, right? And they're going to be 18 before they graduate or whatever. Right. They started and, the sex act uh, both 17 years old. And by the time it was over, one of them had a birthday and now they're going right. to jail. <laughs> right. And, and courts try, uh, they, they try their damnedest to avoid these kinds of problems. So what is consent? Uh, Consent is, any, is, consent is a thing you agree to. Um, right. But it, and, it is so, not, we have to be careful because we usually say consenting adults when we're talking about sex. And the fact of the matter is sex has nothing to do with adults in that sense. Uh, the age of adulthood for a lot of these places may be older than the age of sex. Right. So, right. so on an individual basis, we've, we've talked about the law. And clearly, uh, whether, whether a 14-year-old can give consent or not, there are places where a 14-year-old giving consent is not legal consent, okay? And so I'm going to take a second because we keep avoiding this, and I'm going to talk about individual consent as a way to open it up for whatever the panels have to say. Um, the, the clearest form of consent is to agree to whatever is happening to you. Now, uh, a 14 year old can't, well, in some states, <laughs> in general, right. a 14 year old cannot consent to have sex with a 30 year old. Right. And if you're a 30 year old, hang it up with the 14 year old before you go to jail, you're not practicing right. safe sex. Yeah. But they can, they um, can consent to have sex with another 14 year old. And even in right. that scenario, there could be non-consenting activity in there. Right. And that's right. And this is the thing we need to address at an individual basis, at least so that the panel can talk about it. Consent is anything you agree to. Lack of consent is anything you say no to. Is there a middle ground? Yes, and that's why children shouldn't have sex. Um, so if you're thinking to yourself, I'm, I, don't even, I don't even know if I want this, the answers don't do it because you're still not sure. But in, a, in, a, in an individual sense, consent is anything you say yes to. Lack of consent is anything you say no to. And guys, because you're most often the, the perpetrators. No means no, and it means no starting at the moment that no is said. 
And if you persist after no, you're in danger of not practicing safe sex. You may hate it. It may be very uncomfortable to stop. You're still responsible for stopping. So I want to take that another level um, because I think that's important to say, but I think there's another level that needs to be said, and this will be far more controversial. Um, and I have no idea how one would um, if effectively do this if it, if it were a law. But not only does no being no me no, uh, unsure means no. And so what I'm saying is, uh, as a sales as a salesman, as someone who's uh, spent a lot of his life learning how to manip manipulate people <laughs> and make them do what he wants them to do, um, I suspect very strongly I could manipulate someone into having sex with me um, and get some type of tacit consent. But it would still have been as a result of manipulation. And I would simply be taking advantage of someone whose will is somewhat weak. And uh, you could be in real danger there. And, and so whether I win the court case or not uh, is irrelevant because sex is not something that you should sell uh, in that sense. You, you should not uh, push, you should not uh, persist. If the person wants to do it as much as you do, great. And if they don't want to do it as much as you do, you shouldn't do it, even right. if you could. Um, and, and to carry that thought on, um, consent is the, the kind of thing that is, uh, sex is difficult to talk about. And whether those, whether those reasons are cultural uh, or evolutionary, or just because of the relationship you're in. If consent is something you're having trouble talking about with your partner, you probably shouldn't have sex. And here's why. If you're having trouble saying yes, you're probably gonna have trouble saying no. It may not be as strongly guaranteed, but if you're having trouble voicing your consent, do yourself a favor and only put yourself in those positions where you can voice your lack of consent. So I've got to say something to the ladies. This is just for the ladies. Um, I'm going to I'm going to become unpopular <laughs> right now. Well, that would uh, be unusual and say, uh, I don't care what society says, you're partly to blame. You are, in fact, partly to blame. And you have to stop, you, you have to take ownership of yourself and your sexuality. And so what I mean is, no means no. But if you don't say no, and you're just counting on the guy to read you and then do the right thing. You are stupid. You are dumb as fuck. And you, sh you should not be in that situation. 
if you can't open your mouth and say, no, I don't want that, that's going to make it very hard for you to sue later. Because I'm going to tell you, when guys are, are in that moment and they're, you know, both heads are full of adrenaline, they are stupid. They, uh, they honestly are stupid. They're not pretending to be stupid. And then if they have a few drinks in them, they're even stupider. They don't know what your uh, signs are. They're not mind readers. You need to say no. And, and when you say no, don't giggle. Don't be flirty. Don't be fucking cock teases. Uh, say no and mean no. And, and if they are not uh, convinced that you mean no, say it again. Stick to it uh, so, that, so that it is very clear that you mean no. And um, yeah, because I'll, I'll tell you, most guys don't want to wake up uh, only to find out, oh, you didn't, you didn't actually want it. Uh, they are stupid, so they may not know it at the at the time. But you can you can at least do your part and make your no clear. All right. Um. So uh, I'm gonna walk some of that back. Well, you can disagree, but I I mean every word of it. I, yeah, I am gonna disagree. I don't I have no doubt what you mean. Um. I happen to know from some from some hard conversations that there are some things that happen to women uh, where they don't have any choice uh, occasionally to try to laugh it off, uh, to try to slowly turn down uh, the environment. Guys are most often bigger, and very often they are scared. Um, at, at least three times in my life, I've had this conversation. Let, let me give some statistics. In the United States, one out of every five boys will be sexually assaulted before the age of 18. I didn't say raped. By the age of 18, one in every three girls will be sexually assaulted by 18. In the United States, one in every one and a half handicapped children will be assaulted by the age of 18. Young guys, pushy, demanding, and girls sometimes try to laugh it off and say no gently because saying no hard doesn't seem safe. And so you say no however you can. The important note is to keep your no registered. And as a slightly separate aside, um, crime scene number one is always better than crime scene number two. So if you're saying no and you're being grabbed, fight for your life there because you don't ever want to end up where someone wants to take you. Slightly, slightly different. This, this is self, that's a, a self-defense tip rather than, a, uh, rather than a, a consent tip. But fight for your life at crime scene number one because crime scene number two is worse and they are slightly connected. And sometimes fear and nervousness, uh, fear and nervousness cause you to laugh 
the important thing, guys, is no means no. Right. In the in the thing I'm saying, no means no. You've got to you've got to give that no, uh, because silence doesn't mean no. Uh, uh, flirty laughter doesn't mean no. No means. But no. I know I know when flirty laughter means no. Well, you might, but not everyone will, and I don't know that that holds up in a court. Look, I, I understand that there's there's fear involved when something goes south. In, in a way that you didn't expect, in a setting that you didn't expect. But that thing has gone south. And at, at least one time in that process, you need to register that you didn't want to do it because you don't want to ever leave someone with the ability to say, I never got uh, any indication that she didn't want to do it. No is that indication. Um, and I am, not, uh, I am not overly interested in whether it holds up in court. Um, because what we're talking about here is not just whether some, uh, uh, some assault ends up in a court. What we're trying to do is teach people how to have relationships that include sexual consent without having to go to court. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to move to Brian with an eyes issue here because I think it's um, related, which is uh, the power dynamic. So we've talked about the age dynamic and there is the power dynamic uh, of consent. What does consent mean? Uh, yeah. You know, a, 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 the president of the United States uh, wants a blowjob in the White House. Does the intern have the uh, ability to say no. Well, uh, I'm going to say everybody has the ability to say no <laughs> if you're not gagged. Uh, and, you know, we've got a problem if you're gagged. Uh, but how, just going to force us into the porn conversation. No, I'm not. Gonna <laughs> we're going to, but, but I'm, but I'm going to get this is important. This is serious. Um, and there's room for disagreement. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm comfortable with disagreement. Um, in, in a situation like that, um, if the, if the intern goes along with it, quote unquote, was that, was that actual consent? Well, maybe legally, uh, depends, depends on the state, depends on the judge. Uh, but you have an immeasurable power dynamic at play. Um, the same thing can happen with just age someone who is in their 50s and is a CEO of a corporation uh, and, you know, versus someone who doesn't work for them. But there's there's this air of gravitas, say, that um, that would create an unequal situation in in corporate in corporations. It's a little clearer because they have things that are spelled out uh, in our office dating, how that works in the military. Uh, they have some very specific rules that I don't know, but, uh, you know, a lieutenant, can a lieutenant uh, date an ensign, um, you know, or does it have to be lieutenant on lieutenant action? What about a CO? What about a captain? Um, you know, where where is the power dynamic line drawn before it's before something wrong has happened? And my advice um 
is is really bad on this because I don't know the answer. I, I can easily acknowledge it. <laughs> you shouldn't listen to me uh, as I say the next few words. But I would say that if you think you have a power dynamic advantage and you want to use that to get laid, you're doing something wrong. Uh, and you should not do it. If you if you in your mind see a power dynamic, then you should be chasing people in your same uh, power class. And if you are not, I think there's something very predatory about your sexual behavior. Um, so uh, that doesn't cover that doesn't cover all of the bases, I'm sure, but in a situation where you are behaving in a predatory manner, and I think I would contend that most people know they are. They're looking for the easier marks, marks where they, they know they have an advantage of some kind and can use it to manipulate. Um, you're doing something wrong and you should not. And you should, you should really examine yourself and explore why you can only get off with people who are easy marks uh, and uh, have a, a, a power dynamic um, uh, gap between you and them. Once again, this, this may or may not have anything to do with legality. Right. But and I, it, you know. I was just going to say, and it, and it doesn't have anything to do uh, with, with political disposition. So we see a lot of this right now in the news, right? We've got, uh, we've got Republicans who are, who are being investigated and, uh, and it's made a big splash, the uh, gates down in Florida. But, but Cuomo, up in New York, Democrat, um, you know, maybe just as guilty. I'm not proclaiming either of them as, as being guilty. That's I will. He did it. For, that's for courts to decide. <laughs> well, okay, okay, so um, David has decided that he's done it. Um, I still suspect that we'll have to go through a formal trial. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll just take your advice. Um, but it's not a, it's not a, a conservative thing. It, it's not a liberal thing. It's not just a Christian thing. So I'm no, going to, this is a human a thing. And, uh, Se right. Things, things um, dealing with sexuality. Um, honestly, we can have a theological discussion because it's fun, but this is a human thing. Um, this right. is why Andrew and, and I, two atheists, can talk about this issue and cover the bases, because at the at bottom, this is a human thing. Right. And and atheists, by the way, are just as guilty. Uh, you know, I called out uh, Lawrence Krauss and uh, Richard Carrier when they uh, when they got in trouble. It's not just a conservative Christian thing. It's not a liberal Christian thing. Um, Taking advantage of people is a human thing, and you can't just stop. So, so sex is a is a drive. It's a, uh, you know, it's an instinct, and sometimes uh, there are, there are compulsions that go along that put people in your orbit at risk. And if you are one of those people uh, that has sexual proclivities that put the people around you at risk, you owe it to yourself. Uh, because you're not practicing safe sex, you're, you're going to end up with your name on a court document. So you didn't want to push back on my um, diatribe about power dynamics? Um, I'm, so I think I am a little bit. So uh, you owe it, if, if the people around you are at risk, if, you're, if your thing is power or, or whatever it is, you owe it to the people around you and to yourself to find help for that problem. Because 
sex should occur between consenting people. And if you're a person that needs sex in a non-consenting relationship, get help. Right. And this becomes kind of- And I don't care what the non-consensual issue is. It can be power. It can be anything else. Yeah. One of the reasons why this kind of power dynamic discussion is difficult is because we assume, well, it's men with the power and they're just trying to abuse it. But you've got to think about the other side of this too. Uh, uh, You can't let women off the hook. A lot of women are attracted to power. they they seek men with power because they get off on that uh you know there there are as many boys there's many girls who have crushes on their teachers as boys uh and so yes uh, no teacher should ever give in to that power dynamic uh really bad news situation but uh the fact is that was you know, quite possibly initiated in the other way around that we're thinking about. And so it it might be the person without the power uh, seeking the relationship with a person with the power. And I, and I still think that that represents some kind of uh, maybe psychological issue that should be um, considered. But, you know, you can you can definitely have consenting adults that are in the student teacher category and we'll just use university as opposed to high school so we can get out of the age part of that but you still have a power dynamic problem at the end of the day and uh can you have a consenting relationship that way with no problems yes it's possible and this is why i say i don't i don't really have any great answers on this but when i look at that kind of relationship as an outsider i am just having to wonder what feeds into this that makes these people not uh, more comfortable in a asymmetric relationship than in a symmetric relationship. Sure. And this is a really tricky one, right? Because it, it's not just power. It can be money. It can be who has the drugs. Uh, it can be who has a, a stable place to live. It, it can be, um, uh, you know, I just happen to like guys that wear wife beaters and drive trucks. They're also, maybe that one's uh, over trivializing the subject, but my point is that power differential uh, can occur in all kinds of places. It can occur based on spiritual authority, right? Um, and and so these power differentials, to be fair to Brian with an eyes question, uh, these, these sorts of power struggles, um, we do a good job of, of being able to identify what the problem is. How to solve it is a much bigger issue. And age is one of those one of those really well recognized places where uh, where power differential is it, it's just very easy for it to show up. An eighteen year old is more world aware than a thirteen year old. Sure, and, and, and that just manifests itself as power in the relationship. We Sorry, just uh, right. No, I, we, it's so easy for us to judge, but to judge incorrectly. We see a twenty five year old woman and a sixty five year old man. Uh, and we think, okay, well, that man is exploiting the 25-year-old woman. And it could be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I, know um, of a, I know of a situation right now where it is the other way around. Right. So it's, um, it's, it is a very challenging, uh, th- this whole idea of consent. I, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to prosecute any of this. I'm just trying to lay out the issues and why, why it's a lot more complicated than it seems on the surface. And I want to I want to spare the rest of the time we have. We're not going to get to issue four. 
and we're not going to do issue three justice, but I want to get to it. Um, uh, non, non-binary, um, sexuality. So, uh, you can have the last word on, um, consent and we will gloss the uh, non-binary subject we do have uh, a plan although i'm not sure how well it's nailed down yet to uh, talk to uh, someone um, uh, who is a trans person uh, and do an interview with them and so we're gonna we're working on that so we some of this conversation can be deferred so on age uh, and consent, I want to just briefly mention something that we haven't talked about. This will be controversial, and, and the panel will probably have to pick it up. I suspect you will have one thing to say about it, at least a paragraph or two. We do a poor job at teaching people about consent because, in general, we do a poor job at sex education. As a humanist, uh, at least I'm I'm happy to wear that label for this part of the conversation. As a humanist, we need to do a better job at sex education. We need better sex education in school, and we need better sex education at home. And in that way, when we teach our children, our young adults, what their bodies are, we allow them to talk openly about their bodies, about their emotions and feelings, their desires and urges. Only when we can have those conversations uh, and and have them clearly and distinctly uh, and in a caring environment, do we have a chance, only at that time, do we have a chance of, of having better conversations about consent? Why? because the topic is sex. And if you don't know how to talk about it, you don't know how to talk about consent. If you can't even say, I don't want your penis in my vagina, you're gonna have a hard time talking about consent. You don't have to use those words. And I'm not suggesting that sexual encounters have to be vulgar, but what I am saying is, you gotta be able to say yes and no clearly. And in order to do that, you have to be well-educated. And if you if you think that sex education doesn't belong in schools, okay, fine. Maybe it doesn't belong in your school system. I think you're wrong. I think it does. But if you think it doesn't, then you are taking parents, you are taking the responsibility on yourselves to teach your young guys and young women about sex and to do it in a responsible way where they can keep themselves out of danger. And so if you refuse to allow sex education in schools and you don't do it at home, you get what you pay for. And quite frankly, that's a sexual epidemic in the news. And so don't blame the school systems when you're not doing your job at home. And if you want a better job done, let's open this thing up. Okay. Um, there yeah, it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer and move to the uh, what's gonna be our final topic here. Um, okay. Uh, so non non-binary uh, sexuality. Here's what I mean by non-binary sexuality. I mean anything that is not a man and a woman, uh, 
fucking in a uh, missionary position uh, and uh, having uh, internal um, a a cream pie to have a baby. (laughs) That's anything other than that um, kind of falls in this category. And yes, broadly, more I want to talk about LGBTQ, but I just want to say that um, even within heterosexuality, uh, there's a lot of confusion about what's okay and uh, what's not okay. So, um, so I, I guess I will kind of speak to the sex education thing a little bit. I think one of the reasons we can't in this society agree on sex education is because we can't agree on what constitutes uh, good sex. And there is a little bit more of a religious divide there. Um, So if, but not entirely. So I don't, it it doesn't exactly fall along religious lines, but you can kind of see the religious lines a little bit clearer uh, when we get to this. So what what constitutes good sex? Well, sex uh, during marriage is in particular procreative sex um is good sex and so one group would say well yeah sex education you should educate them to not have sex until they're married uh and that all sex prior to that is bad uh so that that's one faction another faction is what do you mean no sex before marriage is not bad uh and it's also natural and it's going to happen whether you think it's bad or not and so what we need to do is give people the knowledge and the tools to have sex safely and it is very hard if not impossible for those two factions to meet it is um abstinence education um so i actually understand the christian position here i think and and abstinence education will work on some small portion of the Christian population, yeah, right? How well did it work for you? Uh, it, okay, so that yeah, you don't really want the answer to that. <laughs> no, I, uh, and, and, I just wanted and, to put it out there, <laughs> right? And and there are others who would not appreciate me giving an answer to that question. So, um, I I will just, <laughs> I'm just going to have to leave that where it is. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm a bad man. You knew that before um, you took the mic. <laughs> uh, so uh, abstinence education. Uh, yes, I was a very conservative Christian. It did not work for me. Um, and by the way, I don't know any guys in my running circle that were Christians that it worked for. Yeah, I don't know a single guy that was abstinent before marriage because of abstinence education. If right. they were abstinent but, before marriage it's because they couldn't get a girl to agree with them to have sex. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, I can only say that there's a, there is a small, there is a small segment of, of Christian children that abstinence education will work for. And, and why it works doesn't matter. Do they not have a particularly strong sex drive? Do they really, really love God? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why they wait. Abstinence education might work. But if you think that you can get abstinence education to work for uh, all children, 
that are in a public school system, particularly, uh, you know, particularly any sizable public school system. If you think if you think abstinence education is going to work for thousands of kids, you're just not being realistic. You're just not. Frankly, I think abstinence education should have no part of the public school agenda at all. I think it is not only not scientific, I think it's unhealthy. I think it's wrong. And so even if you could manipulate some kids into not having sex uh, with abstinence education, you're doing a wrong thing to do it. Come at me. I'm, so, uh, I'm right here, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Um, I'm ready. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to rejoin, <laughs> rejoin just slightly. Look, um, abstinence works to not get pregnant. It just does. You don't have sex. You don't get pregnant. Uh, you know, unless you, unless you. No, I'm not going to do that. Never mind. We're, we're going to not be really. Well, uh, honestly, um, it doesn't, right? Because I mean, the uh, there there are all kinds of virgin births that 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 happen. Okay. okay. See, I was I was not going to talk about the turkey baster, but you're not going to leave me any choice. <laughs> I'm just saying. She got pregnant See, from the toilet seat. Really, it was the toilet seat. Look, look, dude. I, I tried the whole show not to, not to, and, and then there, there it is. Okay, um, but it went a long time. You know, it, 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 it's gonna leave that alone. Um, yeah. yeah. Gonna, okay. Getting a little we, punchy. We will, we will be climaxing punchy. here soon. So, um, but before we okay. do, we are going to get um, into the non-binary conversation. But go ahead and finish right. it up. Uh, well, okay. So, just that you can, you may even get kids. Uh, through abstinence education to wait through the early stages of, of those urges, maybe. I don't think so. I think in general, abstinence education, particularly as practiced from a religious perspective, where you say where, where the importance of abstinence is as a result of some God who's watching you, right? You, just, you can just forget it. Most kids, um, and even the very conservative ones, give in to their urges, even if God's watching, because they know they have a repentance card that's a get-out-of-jail-free the next day. That's the truth coming from someone uh, who had abstinence preached over and over and over. Two people. I'm quite positive, David, you had some experience. So at any rate, abstinence education might work for a small percentage of kids. I won't even deny that. But it's not a small percentage of kids who are at risk. It's all the kids you care about. And hopefully those kids don't, uh, hopefully the only kids you care about are not just the ones wearing uh, promise rings. Yeah, and I, I frankly just don't think it's psychologically healthy, uh, let alone physically healthy. I don't, I don't think it's physically healthy either, by the way, but I don't think it's psychologically sure. healthy because what you're, the reason you would preach abstinence uh, is is because of religion and as as dale would have said because you believe that there's some kind of spiritual good in remaining abstinent um and so if if a school teaches this then what they're what they're really doing is walking down the religious path of, of teaching religion uh via the back door if you will um you know what's funny about this purity culture and we haven't gotten into purity and innocence as gonna have no. to remain for the panel, panel for the panel. Right. Yeah. But I, I just want to relate. <laughs> you, you knew at least one of these girls. I knew three girls in high school uh, who wore promise rings. So for those of you who are not products of the seventies and eighties promise rings, uh, girls wore these little 
rings that they would pick out and they would just name them promise rings. And it was it's like a idea. voluntary betrothal. That's right. And you, you were guaranteeing that you were going to wait to have sex until marriage. Um, I think three of them that were having sex and wearing promise rings. It's, <laughs> the, the, the purity culture is a, it's a, it's a failure. It's a, it's, it's a big sham. Um, and you can't guilt your kids. You can't guilt your kids out of sex. Right. By the I way, got, I do I got not a, agree. I got a, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've got a lot to say about the purity culture, but I, I'm just going to defer <laughs> for right. another show. So um, earlier you mentioned masturbation and that you thought of it as sex. I'll, I'll say that uh, I actually don't. And if I, if I caught a child or, or if hypothetically in the past I had caught a child, uh, I would not think of that as, as sex. So when I say sex, I am really shorthanding sexual intercourse. Every, uh, almost every we, time I say it, we, we grew up in two different houses though. Um, yeah. so I, I can, uh, I'll relate this story. I don't have to, we really are going to get to the non-binary conversation. Um, I want to get out of this conversation right now. <laughs> I want to put it on the board and let the audience have at it. Um, but I'll share this story. This is probably about as personal as I'm going to get in this whole series. Um, but when I was, uh, I want to say 17, 16 or 17, um, my, uh, I was not in town um, for uh, reasons, but uh, when I came home, uh, my parents were, um, uh, they were with some family friends of ours, uh, preacher mm -hmm. friends uh, of ours, in fact. Um, preacher at because a church of course that they I would be. fairly reg regularly preached at. We attended from from time to time and you know we we were we were close close friends in that way well uh i discovered that um while i was gone my parents with the help of their friends went through my room and found my porn stash oh i can so say that happening and i and i had in in a righteously epic stash um and <laughs> righteous so porn i will i will tell you right now to this day, a very small part of me despises my parents mm -hmm. for that. Uh, it was it was extremely traumatic. First of all, that uh, that they would even care to look because why are you looking? Of course, of course, I have some, but that they would that they would bring these people into it as well. Yeah. It's not like they stumbled upon it. It's not like I left it right. on the coffee table. That's right. that's not what happened at all. It was a concerted search. And it was the most wrong thing of all the wrong things that I think my parents have done. It's the most wrong thing they've ever done. So if you want to talk about the messaging, uh, and and you say, well, yeah. no, that you know, this purity thing is about not having sex before marriage. Well, no, it's more than that, because I wasn't having sex before marriage. I was knocking one off uh, with porn from time to time, but that was wrong too. So when it's when it yeah. when when you hear this purity culture bullshit, you need to recognize what bullshit it really is. These are from sexually repressed people who have some very uh, messed up, wackadoo religious ideas about sex, and they they're not uh, approving of masturbation any more than they're approving the sex sexual act. And right. these are the people who want to be in control of sex sex education in school. N never. I will, I will oppose that to my dying breath.
because I know who these people are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, okay. A uh, little, little self, little, little, little self-revelation. When I was a, I was a teen. Uh, I don't actually remember how old I was, um, but I was, I was a teen. I was still living at home. Um, I, uh, I had some condoms. And at, as I recall, at this particular time, I was I was not sexually active. I mean, you know, it's every guy's it's every guy's dream to uh, to be sexually active. And some of us, uh, there was this there was this time where some guys would walk around uh, with a condom in their billfold because you could put your billfold in your back pocket, and then everybody—it's this whole ridiculous thing. Absolutely, so anyway, you you would open right. your wallet, and someone might happen to notice. Oh, you have a condom. This is, right. this hey, is hey, there's a bathroom over there. What are we waiting? Right, for? because the yeah. message is, uh, I have the potential for having some sex tonight. What's in your right. wallet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's was, that was very well played. That's very well played. So my dad did what your parents did, and and my dad had no uh, no. Uh, reservations at all about saying I'll search your rooms and dance old Navy guy, you know, and, uh, and he found these condoms. And so this is when dad, after he's found condoms in my room, this is when my dad thinks it's time to have the birds and the bees talk and, and the birds and the bees talk from my dad's perspective is abstinence. So he, he watched as I threw them away. Right. Uh, and he's just absolutely outraged. I might consider uh, having sex and then the birds and the bees talk um is uh what sex is and why i should avoid it and the whole time i'm just thinking dad um i got the birds and the bees talk in the locker room a long time ago and i don't know why you're wasting your breath fine you're 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 pissed off over condoms and you made me throw them away but i really don't see why we're having to talk about it because it should be clear to you, dear dad, that having the birds and the bees talk, the time for that, is way past, dude. It's way gone. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I share that sort of, uh, you know, parents, parents can just wreck these things. Because we're not getting to number four, I have to know was was the was the porn collection righteous because it was Mormon girls or was it? Uh, okay, you're not going to answer that. Never I'm mind. not going to speak to that uh, issue, <laughs> but uh, I will tell you this: that um, you know that stash today would fetch a pretty penny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, so I I I think that some of it may kind of like comic books have gotten more valuable over time. That's, that's all. <laughs> and the trouble is you never keep them in the original rappers, man. No, no, <laughs> they, no, never no it's not, it's not that kind of collection. <laughs> so, uh, Guaranteed the pages sanitized are, before sale. <laughs> the pages are a little yellowed, not necessarily from age. Um, so where, okay. <laughs> where was I? Uh, sorry, you non-binary people. That's the segue you get. Um, so, <laughs> um, so this is, this is a serious issue and, uh, I recognize that this will be covered, uh, in other shows as well, but I just wanted to, uh, dig around and see where the bodies are buried here. Um, 
So first yeah. of all, there is a, in, in the religious realm, uh, particularly, and this is one, one place where religion really does, there really is a religious, non-religious divide. Uh, so I do, I do think it breaks down pretty much like that with rare exceptions outside of that. Um, religious people are all into uh, heteronormalcy. Mm. And uh, yeah. they believe that there is something wrong with non-hetero activity. And um, there also seems to be a greater emphasis on homosexual males as being particularly bad rather than homosexual females. Yeah, well, we know why that is. And yet we have a far greater number of, at least bi females. In fact, some, some experts used to say all women are naturally bi. Uh, and they're only culturally <laughs> uh, heterosexual. Um, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true. That may be taking it a bit too far, but it, it does seem it's really easy to find a bi female, <laughs> you know, um, and that doesn't seem to get the kind of condemnation. Uh, you know, women having sex with other women just doesn't raise the ire as much as men having sex with men. Uh, so I've always wondered about that, and I wonder if the problem isn't the fact that men are the ones who are making these laws, and for them there's just a certain ick factor uh, to it, whereas when it comes to lesbian sex, there is no ick factor whatsoever. <laughs> we're, right. We're, so, we're in favor of that. <laughs> and and I, I think it's particularly... I think it's particularly uh, the male penis. It, it's ejaculation. It, it's it's sperm, right? This it, it's it's just a guy uh, coming in the girl that you might date in the future. And, and here's why I think so: we don't care about, generally speaking, girls can have uh, girls can have sex with other girls, um, and and that is fine. The digital penetration seems to be okay. Uh, toys aren't off limits. Um, there's a there's a lot of acceptance. Now I realize that not everybody accepts all of that, and I'm not and I'm not suggesting that everybody does. So if you're, you know, if you're putting on your righteous indignation hat and you're saying, "Oh well, Andrew, I really don't agree with any of that. I'm I'm the best possible." Well, if you don't agree, fine. I'm not talking to you. But what I am saying is, David, I agree with you that I think uh, girls having sex with girls is uh, is much more widely accepted. And, and the problem isn't even penetration because dildos are okay. Digital penetration seems to be okay. What's not okay is, uh, is some girl having sex with some other guy. All right. We don't, we don't want sexual intercourse yeah, with some and, other guy. And with, yeah. So with, with, or some guy person. having sex with some other guy. Right. So in terms of homosexuality, I think that male on male does get the brunt of um, of this, yeah. even though Christians yeah. don't often say it. But I mean, we know that it's true. We have uh, laws, some in some cases still on the books, uh, anti uh, sodomy laws. Uh, right. So in this country, uh, sodomy was something that was punishable by death uh, <laughs> once upon a time. Um, 
especially in the Bible Belt. Sodomy, it's a big deal. Um, you know, Great Great Britain, homosexuality was uh, illegal, but we, we um, associate sodomy with homosexuality. Uh, and, and our laws are, are clearly associated with homosexuality because mm. no one seems to think it's illegal for a heterosexual company, uh, couple to have anal sex. Uh, that's right. not what anyone means when they say sodomy, even though or that's oral sex, right? Right. Or, or, or jobs or, are fine. Right. But except if it's, see, this is once again, why, you know, it's uh, hip, hypocritical. If you have a gay couple, uh, who, uh, the only thing they did was oral sex, They'd still be they, would, they would have still been executed, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, because the laws were really about uh, two men having sex. That's what it, that's what it was all about. That's the, that's the prohibition. It's not about heterosexuals uh, having anal sex. It's about a man having any sex with another man. Um, so, and, and by the way, I, I suspect that would have probably extended to non-penetrative acts. Uh, that would have triggered the law. So that said, right. um, mm -hmm. there does seem to be this focus on the male act of homosexuality. Um, and I find right. it, I find it somewhat inexplicable myself. Uh, and I, and I would love the Christians to uh, maybe just explain it, it's okay to do it on the board. I am not going to ban you. I am not going to censure you for talking about oral sex and anal sex and things like that. Uh, try to be respectful, but there's no, it, it's perfectly allowable. We're having that conversation. Uh, I, I don't even care if you say fuck, that's fine. Um, it's, it's, it's just a word, it's descriptive, we know what you mean. Um, so that said, why is it wrong for two men to fuck a certain way? And it's okay if a man and a woman uh, do the same act. So it, 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 says it's, it, it says to me that it's not the act that we think is wrong. It's not about putting a, a, a dick in a, in a butthole. That's not the wrong thing. The wrong thing is putting a dick in a butthole that also has a dick on the other side. So, you know, this is, this is I, fascinating. I, I, I frankly, as a nun, Christian right now can't understand this fixation at all. It makes it makes no natural sense to me whatsoever. The the repulsion is so strong. So the the first, as far as I know, I think it still stands. The first kiss between a white man and a and a black woman on TV was in Star Trek, the original series, right? So that's Kirk and Uhura. We don't see a man kissing a man with tongue, I think, until Brokeback Mountain. And I, I'm sure you remember what sort of outrage there was. Yeah, I, uh, I remember. I'm going to, the audio for this podcast has not been the greatest listeners. I know that, but I'm going to make it even worse right now because I'm having trouble with um, hearing through headphones. They're technical reasons and yada, yada, yada. But um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to break it out. Uh, I think you'll still be able to hear uh, the rest that follows. So while you're doing that, um, go ahead, I've done it. Uh, it's just oh, okay, everything, good. everything is over the speaker now. 
So it, it sounds pretty good, actually. So the audio didn't change much. That'll be that'll be right. No, my my audio won't change at all. It's that your audio is being played over the speaker, uh, and my mic will be picking that up. So the the recorded quality is going to drop. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So one of the interesting uh, one of the interesting things that you were you were talking about the, it's the it's male homosexuality. That's the big issue. And, and we had to get, to, I don't remember when Brokeback came out, but it's like, it's 40 years after the first white man kisses the first black woman on, on TV. Right. And, and so there really is this male on male homosexual aversion. And, um, I, it, yeah, I, I really think it's about two penises, right. It's, yeah. it's about both of them having it. The thing is, Hollywood has always been a hotbed of homosexuality. It, this isn't new. It didn't start with Rock Hudson. <laughs> it's, it's always been the case. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, if you wanted to know where most of the homosexuals were in America, it was probably Hollywood. It was, it was, it was, it was always right there. Um, but it was yeah. just uh illegal and then later uh highly taboo to come out Uh, jim neighbors was uh famously jim neighbors was gay john wayne um sorry partner um so look but actually i'm not sorry partner (laughs) (laughs) so but the fact is it's it, it was a you know not even much of a secret in Hollywood circles, they always knew. And um, there has there has been a concerted push to pretend like there was very little homosexuality. And so there's the push that people didn't want to know. You remember, don't don't ask, don't tell. We don't want to yep. know. Yep. Um, that was that was very recent uh, in our time. Um, and uh, then, you know, there's there's statistics where people would you know give voluntary uh census answers you know are you gay well the answer would be no (laughs) because if i said yes i would lose my job right uh and suffer all kinds of persecution and so there there was always this push to make it seem like uh, there are no homosexuals and then all of a sudden we had this kind of almost cambrian explosion like burst where it seems like every other person was gay and people started coming out. There was no Cambrian explosion. They were always gay. We were, we were just, they just stopped being afraid to say so. It's not like, uh, it's not like at the moment, uh, homosexuality could be slightly more discussed in public. 10% of the population turned gay. It, it, it didn't happen that way. Right. It's not, it's not yeah. like it jumped from five to 10 because we've got some cultural uh, revolution where people are going gay. No, they are not. <laughs> that, that percentage has always been there. You know, as a, as a slight aside, it, because I, I always found this funny, I, 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 still, I, I still chuckle over it. Uh, Jim Neighbors is from a, uh, a town called Silicaga. It's, a, it's an Indian name. Ali. You right. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, uh, I lived so in you Silicon. know, right. No, I know. So, so here's what I found funny. Um, so you're familiar with highway 280. It runs through Silicaga. Um, and they named 
uh, I don't remember when they did this, so you might not know, but that that portion of 280 that runs through Sylacauga. Jim Neighbors uh, Highway. Jim, okay, you do know, good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I find funny about that is uh, people in Sylacauga will do everything they can do uh, while, the, while the city council approved the name, they'll do everything they can do not to talk about Jim Neighbors Highway. They'll call it Highway 280 or just 280. And if you call it Jim Neighbors Highway in Sylacauga, because it's such a it's such a funny, conservative little town, um, people will uh, go out of their way to say, yeah, I, I like Jim Neighbors, but I didn't agree with him being gay. Right. That's <laughs> the very act. What they really should gay. say is I like Jim Neighbors, but this road sucks. <laughs> that, would, that would be better <laughs> else it does so, suck <laughs> so. it, it, but it was always funny to me it, it was always funny to me the amount of discomfort that could be engendered in a conversation in, in that little town uh, just by calling that little section of, of highway Jim Neighbors Highway and you could, you could just see people cringe because it reminds them that this this person that they thought was Christian growing up, he wasn't, by the way, I know somebody that went to school with him. Um, he wasn't particularly Christian. It was, you know, he said and did all the right things. But even then, the kids at school, and I will quote this friend of mine who was uh, two years younger than Jim Neighbors. He said, and I, I quote this fellow, uh, we always knew Jim was a little funny. <laughs> Right. It's, by the way, so funny it was our euphemism for gay. That's that right. We said uh, that person's funny. What right. what we mean is they're they're gay. Right. Well, and and he the first time we talked about it, Jim Neighbors Highway, this uh, this friend of mine, um, he said, uh, "Well, you know, Jim always ran around with the girls in school, and that's another euphemism." For, for saying that it's just, it's, it's hysterical. It's, uh, if, if you want to go make somebody uncomfortable, um, drive to Sylacauga, Alabama, go in any store or restaurant, sit down and ask them where Jim Neighbors Highway is. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, uh, there's, so we, we have, we have, uh, culturally speaking, uh, demonized uh, a portion of our population that has always been there. Uh, and even now in this much more woke society, it's not woke enough, even, even now, there are people who are gay, who are afraid to come out because, uh, you know, they might lose their job or they might lose clients, uh, that are important. They can't to adopt children. Right. Uh, Christian adoption agencies won't allow gay people, uh, to adopt children. We have, uh, we have for, uh, great portion of our lifetimes forced gay men to meet each other in public restrooms. Um, Bathhouses. Right. You know. We have, there, there are things that we did to the LGBTQI plus community. And yes, I don't mind being courteous enough to say, I think that's the, the list at the moment. I don't care if it changes and I don't care what your gender pronoun is. I'll use it um Let because the lgbtq ellipsis <laughs> well I'm, I'm happy to leave them with their i plus <laughs> uh, well, i don't i don't i don't because there might be more added today than there were yesterday so well, i'd have to say lgbtqi plus <laughs> plus 
<laughs> it'll be a programming language before you know it. You mentioned, I know uh, you're in the middle of a point. You mentioned bathhouse. So I'll give you uh, one more small revelation that uh, mm. doesn't mean nearly as much as it does, but I think I will, uh, I think I will say it just in support of this LGBTQ ellipsis community. So two things. One, uh, I've marched in a uh, pride parade. Um, oh, I hadn't planned to. I, uh, I was in uh, Portland. I was trying to get somewhere, but the streets were blocked off and the parade was going. And um, so I figured, you know what? What the hell? I think I will just get in I'll just walk in and I will get with this group of people and I'll just walk. And um, so I did. <laughs> I tried, and uh, no one questioned me at all. I, I walked for several blocks uh, with the Pride Parade. There was press and things like that. And I, and I kind of wanted to know, you know, what, is, what does it feel to be in these people's shoes uh, and to come out openly at this time and celebrate who you are? And what about the people who will see me and, and recognize me? What, what will I be saying to them? Uh, they will, you know, people will now think that I am gay. What would, what will happen? Mm. And uh, I realized, uh, and I, I was never um, uh, noticed, no one ever mentioned it to me, but I, I realized with all of those thoughts going through my head, just, just a small fraction of what these people have to think about every day every moment of their day. Um, and it, it was really eye opening. And so I actually encourage you if you have a chance, if you see a pride parade, uh, uh, get in. And, we've and gone twice here, here in, yeah, yeah, we've gone twice here in town. And don't, um, don't just sit on the sidelines, get in there. Let me get in there and join hands with somebody uh, with a beard named Francis. Um, so you know um you know i've got an eclectic group of friends and and i hope that the uh i hope that the friend of mine who is going through gender reassignment right now will join us um so but this was actually the point that i was driving toward poorly so i'll i'll wrap this point up um we have done far more harm to the gay community than they have ever done to us. I've, I've, I've been to dinner with lots and lots of, of people who are gay. I've had lots of gay work colleagues. My words have been far more harmful than theirs just because I'm an idiot about the subject, uh, unknowingly harmful. Um, we have done things like, like uh, accuse people who are LGBTQI plus as a community of being child molesters. Uh, we we suggest that they can't possibly raise children properly. And it's the the list of accusations against that community uh, are are harmful and hateful and hurtful. And we we create and, self fulfilling prophecies uh, with them as well uh, when we say things like uh, you know they they can't maintain a marriage. Um, you know their relationships are more chaotic, and I, I just wonder how how chaotic your marriage would be if you had the weight of uh, the culture and the federal government telling you uh, how unequal you are and what a terrible person you are, and forcing right. you to run that gauntlet 
Uh, you're worried about your job. You're worried for, forcing you to run that gauntlet every minute of your life. How how right. stable would your relationships be? Right. If the only time you could see your wife or your girlfriend uh, was at a uh, at a truck stop in the dark, if if the very mention of the fact that you had a wife or a girlfriend would cause you to lose your social circle and and might even result in immediate physical violence against you. If it if it meant that you'd be outed today in in social media, though fortunately we're slightly more tolerant, um, what what would your relationships be like? I'm I'm not homosexual. But I have zero problem with anyone who is. Furthermore, um, I identify with the gender uh, that the doctors assigned me at birth. Now, they didn't, they didn't check my DNA, but I identify as male uh, through, uh, through gross external sexual characteristics, just like uh, most of the guys listening to this podcast. However, I've got a friend who started life as a, as a female and is going through gender reassignment surgery right now. Tomorrow, or whenever it's finished, in the, in the next couple of months, actually. Uh, and, and, and I have for a while now addressed him as him. And if you think that's creepy or wrong, or if you somehow feel disgusted by it, frankly, I don't need to know you. I, so I just don't need to know you. Let me give you one more anecdote um, to give the audience a little bit um, of an idea of how far I was willing to go to understand mm. this, um, this community. This is something I've never told you either. I've never told anybody. Uh, so I will I will mention it here. I'm not particularly ashamed of it. In fact, I'm not at all ashamed of it. It's just never been anyone's business. But I have always been um, inquisitive, and I've wanted to understand uh, the other. So whatever mm -hmm. whatever the other was, and the way I grew up, there was a lot of other. <laughs> I can assure you. So whatever the other was, uh, there was a point in my life where I I wanted to understand. I wanted to know who they were, what they, what the truth was from the fiction, because it's, you know, at some point I started to understand that I'm being manipulated here and that I'm not getting uh, the whole picture about these other people. And so with regard to homosexuality, uh, I, uh, I have been to a bathhouse, so I can talk about bath, bathhouses quite um, in, in much detail. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's more than that. I've, I've been to a bathhouse and I uh, got a membership uh, to this bathhouse and I kept the membership card uh, quite proudly in my wallet. Uh, and I, I didn't go a lot. I went from time to time and I'd sit around and um, you know, uh, on occasion talk to people who, uh, who wanted to be talked to and uh, mostly just sat in silence reading a book uh, in a towel. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, I uh, and that was fine. And if you want to know if I ever exper experimented with uh, homosexuality in a bathhouse, the answer is no. Um, 
but I could have, and that would have been fine too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem admitting that. Uh, it's just not why I was there. I just wanted to get to know the other in, in this kind of ghetto that we had forced them to come into. Um, and one of the, one of the insights that I will share uh, about the other uh, that I learned uh, during this period of time is that the other is everybody. Uh, they are your grandfather. No, really, they are your grandfather. You don't, you don't realize it, and Gramps is not going to talk about it, but they, he's there, uh, especially at that time, because there weren't many other places for them to be. They are your boss uh, at work, maybe the big boss uh, at work. Uh, they are your preacher uh, or, or your elder oh. or deacon. Um, they, they were all there in the bathhouse. Yeah, and just to, because, um, because you and I have some school background, uh, high school and junior high, that's the same, uh, we were both athletes. Um, and we both had that experience of, of growing up in male locker rooms, right? And for those of you that don't know, um, when I say athlete in this case, I mean uh, most of the school year spending uh, three hours a day uh, in some kind of practice. And that means and, and that's not during school hours. And sometimes there's practice during school even, hours. Even in the off season, we still, we still practiced. I mean, we still. Right. You know, right. I've, there's I've no still, such thing as an off season when you're an athlete. Right. If, if it takes, there's, there's this old saw about it taking 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. If, if it's possible to become an expert at locker rooms, I, I probably have 10,000 hours in a locker room. Um, my, my point is only this. Uh, if you're hanging around with a bunch of guys who are athletes, uh, and uh, I, I will just uh, throw false modesty aside and say I was a good athlete. And I was one of the guys that was put together pretty damn well. Um, and you were too. And so were a lot of the other guys we were in Let me just with. tell you, nobody was put together as well as AJ. So when AJ. Okay, was, I wasn't going to mention Gus, Steve. So <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you, you may think you were put together well, but when, when AJ stepped on the scale uh, in all his glory, the rest of us just shrunk. Look, I, look. When I say put together well, I mean, uh, I mean, I was ripped, Gus. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that there are horses in the world that have penis envy. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. You know, uh, AJ was the kind of guy that made guys like me not feel as good about myself. <laughs> yeah, look, um, look, it, it was. It was enough that every other guy talked, you know, so Gus, right? We, we all knew AJ. Um, but my point is, I don't, I don't know that it would be, you know, some, some people claim this really, really strong homosexual aversion, right? They could possibly even look at another guy, yada, yada, yada. And, and a lot of these guys uh, end up in community sports, you know, playing basketball. They were athletes in high school and college, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, the, the line from Shakespeare often comes, me thinks the lady doth protest too much. You know, the line, the line comes to mind because uh, I, I don't, I don't, 
I didn't have a problem in the locker room looking at a guy and saying, that's a nice looking dude. You know, it, it didn't mean that we were going to end up in the backseat of a car out in the gym parking lot. It certainly didn't mean that we were going to, uh, you know, find each other at a, at a truck stop. But I don't understand. I don't understand the aversion uh, to homosexuality. And if you spend a lot of time in locker rooms, I suspect that you've had to have this internal conversation and just admit, hey, that's a, that's a nice looking dude. Right. And why we would deny that uh, is something that today as a as a as a humanist, as an atheist, I don't understand. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to let it uh, hang there. <laughs> and and um, there's obviously a lot more <laughs> that uh, is so about with this um, stuff. So. My my goal with this conversation was to kind of set out some of the issues, and um, with the panels, we'll, we can see uh, what issues they uh, want to pick up. Uh, you know, there'll be two or three that I'll want to to make sure we talk about. But uh, I, I like the panels to be kind of free flowing after this initial conversation. Let me hear your thoughts, uh, skeptics and seekers. Squarespace.com. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, you know, for the for the next few weeks, it's okay to say uh, dick, fuck, cunt, uh, pussy, um, anal, uh, cowgirl, uh, two uh, two reverse cowgirl, two girl one two girls one cup. Uh, I don't I, what whatever the memes are uh, there. Um, don't. Don't look it up. Just don't. You're not ready. Not as a pejorative, I presume. Right. No, you you can't can't use it as a pejorative. Yeah, just Uh, don't. You're right. Um, You know, be be respectful to each other. But uh, there there are no language police uh, here. And however you talk about sex, that's how I want you to feel comfortable talking about sex, because not everyone talks about sex in in some, um, you know, very antiseptic um, way. Sometimes the only sex conversation anyone ever has is in in slang that's that's all that's the only way they know how to talk about it and i encourage you to talk about it however you know to talk about it um, i do want to mention one thing for you um so um skeptics and seekers.squarespace.com uses the discuss plugin for the message boards uh you should go over there post comments get involved in the discussion they're always lively um, but you've said, you know, let people use the language that they're naturally predisposed to, which I agree with. Be aware that Discuss does have uh, of its own, not, uh, not through the individual site administrators. It does have uh, some artificial intelligence and, uh, and word routines that it will go through. If you find yourself blocked, if you find some post blocked, uh, you heard it here first that uh, it's not being done at the site level. Yeah, well, I, so, I didn't do it. I, I can assure right. you, I have zero filters on skeptics and seekers. If you if you have a comment that gets caught in a filter, it's not my filter. And 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 I will do my best to go into the back end of it and put it on the board. So and <laughs> I heard I would, that here first. <laughs> yeah, so I will go into the back end and put it on the board. I, I meant what I said. Um, 
But the other thing I uh, also want to say in the process of this is that uh, we need to be very mindful and uh, sensitive to LGBT language because I will not become a, a source of persecution. So uh, words that are generally pejorative, like say fag, um, just just don't do it. Don't go there. It's not necessary. Uh, use words like gay, which is fine, or queer, which is fine. Uh, that is the Q and LGBTQ. Trans. Lesbian. Uh, yeah, these these are these are fine. Uh, but we're, uh, you know, as we talk about sexuality as openly as possible, we also still need to be aware that we're not persecuting each other. I just I just want people to be able to talk about this stuff and not feel like, you know, they're uh, muzzled from being able to talk about it in the only way they know how to talk about it. So um, we're not we're not going to be offended and we're grown ups. And so you can you don't have to say you're woohoo. OK, you, you can you can talk about the itch in your cunt. It's fine. <laughs> it's, I, I do want someone to write woohoo. Just it's not a woohoo. I want that laugh. I, I want that laugh. I, I do want that laugh. Um, somebody picked on me in the chat, by the way, for uh, for saying bumping uglies uh, earlier. I thought <laughs> it's it pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, uh, what I wanted to say at that point is I was circumcised. Mine is not ugly. <laughs> anyway, well, that would have that I, I withheld from that at the time. Just want yeah, this is what I do for you, the audience. Uh, the things that I refrain from saying, <laughs> it's all for you. <laughs> So this went uh, this went longer than I expected. We were going to wrap this up. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's over. Uh, uh, Brian with an eye uh, was with us for a long time, and then he left for a long time, and he's back thinking that they're still going. They're still what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we love you long time. <laughs> Yeah, so look, there'll be no closing speeches. Uh, Andrew, I'll give you the last word and then I'll, well, actually, I'll give you one last word and then I will close out the show by talking about uh, uh, the rest of the season, so. Okay, all right, my, my last thought. Um, this has been a long conversation uh, and a, a useful one, but I want to uh, reach out one more time to anyone who has had a, uh, has had a, a violent sexual experience, someone who said no, or if you're, if you're wondering about an experience you've had, if, if some sexual relationship has made you feel bad about yourself, let me just ask you again to be your own best advocate. And let me encourage you to uh, contact the National Sex Abuse Hotline, chat with them online, call any hotline. Uh, somebody there will help. Be your own best advocate. Take back control of your life. Be the best person you can be. And I guarantee you, someone, someone out there cares for you, cares uh, about how your life turns out. And if you're hurting, you're going to have a hard time being the best person you can be. So once again, be your own best advocate. Reach out for yourself. 1-800-799-7233. It's 1-800-799-7233.
reach out. I guarantee you, David and I, even if I don't know you, I love you. I want you to live your best life. Um, if you if you want to correspond with me, uh, I'm the wrong person to correspond with about uh, about sex abuse. That that requires a professional. But if you want to reach out and just talk, reasonpress at gmail.com is where you can find me. Reasonpress at gmail.com. And uh, skeptics and seekers at gmail.com. If uh, you want to get me, I read every email. Um, so uh, thank you for that. And uh, next week, uh, we will have our first uh, panel discussion. All of this is happening a little bit later than usual because I've had a little bit of upheaval in my own personal life. Uh, it's meaningless. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Um, in fact, no one should ever feel sorry for me right now. I've, things have been pretty good at the same time as being kind of awful. <laughs> so um, it's, it's been a balance, and I'm fine. Uh, so this uh, this week today kicks it off a little bit late. Uh, next Saturday, hopefully, we'll have our first panel show. There's so much to talk about. I expect two panel shows, uh, and we'll see how it uh, breaks down. And then uh, Brian uh, and myself will uh, wrap it up. Uh, if Brian is unable to do that, uh, I will. I will wrangle some other sucker into <laughs> doing it um but uh brian brian really is the man when it comes to these shows if you enjoy the after shows it's because brian has done uh his homework to make them good uh so yeah, he's a, a good of, date. a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that um you know you you may not realize but we have we have people in our lives and in our uh, groups that do a lot of uh work for us and they are unsung and i uh brian is one of those people uh you know we always uh, love having matthew uh on the show he is uh he's as busy uh as a one-legged dancer um and uh so he's he's uh he helps me on my shows he does uh all of the work uh on, on <laughs> the reason press side <laughs> did i no that's not true sorry 99.5 uh, um <laughs> I, uh, uh, Matthew is a he's a he's a good guy and a hard worker. He is a good guy. Uh, I um, super good guy. You know, always uh, always uh, appreciate these uh, cats. I I would bring up um, uh, Teddy uh, again because you know it, it may not be obvious, but when she comes on uh, some of these shows, not all of the shows, but when she, a lot of the shows that she comes on uh, to, she has done a lot of preparation in advance yeah she does that she uh you know she's a she's full-time lawyer you know it's not like she's got time to dick around with us uh but she but she does and uh she doesn't just uh show up uh empty-handed she she's usually put in uh some time and so whether that's apparent or not on the shows i just wanted to call her out for the, everybody knows that dale puts in uh you know 26 hour days um and he does he does way too much research for these shows dale should yeah, just he he's should a superhero slow, just slow down man yeah he's <laughs> so, a superhero uh, i don't hey, have I, to think this deeply about this crap <laughs> um and dave there you gotta you gotta tell him about the, the last show man because i'm i am really looking forward so after, to the devil made me do it 
after the that's not the show title after uh <laughs> yes this was porn seekers that one's the devil maybe it's, it's not it's not weird <laughs> so the rest of the season we're it's upon us really um after this series is over we have dale and val talking about free will uh, yeah, that's a good one. Get get your tickets ready. We'll be we'll be selling tickets for the kibitzing room for that one. That one will be if if I'm allowed to speak. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I was just gonna say that one will be interesting because Val doesn't want to do the traditional like okay, I'm a libertarian free will versus his compatibilist, which we've done shows on kind of before. I, even on SNS, I've kind of laid out my position. So I'm actually gonna have to be a Darren Loot, Dale the Darren Loot, or something like uh and advocate for the hard determinist or the hard incompatibilist position um so that'll be interesting it'll be kind of i'm like, pretty sure that's like changing sexual preference i mean that's a pretty hard job uh look you know what <laughs> dale and darren loot are so much alike uh this is why they don't get along <laughs> neither just, one of them wants to I, hear that but no. everybody no, knows looking, it's true yeah, i'm exactly. looking forward to that one man that is that is going to be a that's going to be good to hear. Yeah, no, I, I really am uh, selling tickets for the um, for the kibitzing room. If you think that you're going to get in the chat room free on that one, ah! <laughs> well, of course, I don't exactly know how to do the commerce thing and get people to pay me money for it, but uh, we'll work that out. <laughs> it's coming in a few weeks. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm very much looking to that show, but that is not the finale of the season. That leads into the finale of the season we will have a brief series culminating in some interesting ways on satan god of this world <laughs> just just be there just don't don't fuck this one up okay you want to be there you want to clear your calendar and and listen to that series um the devil made me do it's a better title thing. satan god of this world <laughs> look i, you, I will you not can, let you say that thing and reach, let that be the last word on the title it is not reach out to the community they're going to tell you the devil made me do it is satan title. <laughs> god of this world <laughs> it's it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be ugly. It might be. It might be my last skeptics and seekers. That's, that's because the devil makes you do it. Oh, I'm sorry. There, this was. Uh, yeah, I'm just preparing you now. There might be some psychological damage. <laughs> so, just remember, the devil made him do it. It's Satan, <laughs> god of this world. Um, so with that uh with that said uh we're gonna close it off uh here the conversation for the next couple of weeks it's a serious conversation uh if you see us behaving in a light-hearted and trivial manner it's not because we take this trivially it is because when we're engaged in conversations that are this heavy and uh, emotionally uh burdensome and personal uh you gotta blow off some steam Yes, I said blow off some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes you take it on the chin and you just have to. <laughs> <laughs> I want out. I want out. I'm... Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> the devil made me do it. I'm sorry. No. 
So uh, goodbye, everybody.